accessing agent files. Brian Sovereign. Early 21st Century Anarchist. Creator and host of the podcast Sovereign Check. By the year 2021, the show would be instrumental in the downfall of various conservative ideologies in the government. Helping usher in an incredible time. Hey, want to take a walk on the wild side and experience the bleeding edge of technology? Then get ready because it doesn't get much more edgy than this. You're in for a wild ride. You're listening to Sovereign Tech with your host, the man in triple black, the golden stallion of the tech world, Brian Sovereign. He's got a huge brain. And now here's Brian. That's right, the golden stallion, the man of tomorrow, Dr. Brian Sovereign. Oh boy. <laughs> You're Actually, not a real doctor. I, but you know Dr. What? Phil is more of a doctor than you are. <laughs> oh, bull. I'll tell you. <laughs> At least he has a real PhD. And doing what with it? At least I'm doing something good. <laughs> but I got to tell you, this week, every almost every libertarian, it seemed like, or a celebritarian was playing Dr. Phil this week. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing about Dr. Phil is everybody says, oh, he's not a real doctor, but he actually is. He has a PhD in psychology from like a legit university. No. You, on the other hand, now... I was let, told it's what you do with it. It's now, not what... <laughs> now, let me just say first, I'm not trying to antagonize you because your knowledge of the Bible and your knowledge of comparative religion is second to none. Like if you actually had to defend a PhD thesis in front of an academic committee, you could probably do it. And you've probably put in independent research enough to fill a, at least one PhD thesis over your years studying religion informally. But um, suffice it to say, you purchased your Doctorate of Divinity online for $30 from the Universal Life Church. And the, the paper it was delivered on was like, it looks like a, it looks like a bar mitzvah invitation. Like it's this cheesy paper. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. My bar mitzvah invitation was on fine bone. What was it? The color was bone and and. No, no, hell, I can't remember. Anyway, it was very classy. <laughs> <laughs> well, would that we were all so lucky, huh? <laughs> Fortunately, I have a real doctor with me. <laughs> of course, considering what my doctorate of, uh, is in, uh, you know, it's BS all the way down, you know, that being a doctorate of divinity. Yeah, so, it's kind of like having a doctorate in phrenology or something. Yeah. <laughs> It's a BS and BS, and uh, and I'll, I'll run with it. So if anyone ever wants to accuse me of making a mockery of institutions, hierarchies, authority, and religion, I stand accused. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty as charged. You know, so, my undergraduate degree is a Bachelor of Science in Biological Sciences, so you might say I also have a BS and BS. <laughs> See, I can do anything you can do. That's, I, but I should just stop competing with the men and no, just be no, a no, woman. Me, I am <laughs> competing with you. I am trying to measure up to you. Make no mistake. Though I really do appreciate you saying, you know, recognizing my, my skill in the area that I decided to uh, try and grab some title from. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do. I mean, you've taught me a lot about this bullshit area of life, which, I mean, aside from being very entertaining, it helps deconstruct it. You know, because yeah. if you if you understand the arguments that the the theists give, um, it you can more effectively dismantle them. That's right. 
Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And and actually, you know, uh, very recently, in fact, we were talking about this tonight over dinner. Uh, we, you know, I discussed that really like any of the remaining spooks or areas of uh, of unexplainability that I consider, or, you know, the inexplicableness within the Bible, uh, I feel I've pretty much wiped out. You know, that includes the uh, the very first verse in the beginning. I used to give them credit. You know, I used to give uh, the Bible credit for getting it half right. You know, that there was a beginning, but now I'm inclined to believe there was no beginning to the universe, uh, which I've talked about in Sovereign Tech in the past before. There's science to back it up. Universities in Canada, they've talked about it. Uh, and also the uh, another thing I talked about in Sovereign Tech, which was the statue, the dream in uh, that Nebuchadnezzar has in the book of Daniel. So, but both of those, eh, I've got them figured out. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but that's besides the point. Anyway, uh, for those that don't know, though I imagine anybody listening to this show does, uh, that is the voice, of course, of the lovely and hyper intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Thank you so much for being on as usual. Hello, thank you. Yeah. So, Are you experiencing weird pins and needles? No. Okay, just checking. Yeah, maybe listen after the, the right credits podcast. to find out about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had promised that we would do a wrap up of Liberty Forum, and so when did we promise that? Uh, or maybe I had promised that. I or I. No, I, I think we, we did, but I think we did like the last time I was on your show. But yeah, I. I'm a little hazy on it, so I just yeah. wanted a reminder. <laughs> yeah, regardless, you know, we're doing it. Here it is. And so let's talk about Liberty Forum. Now, of course, for those that don't know, Liberty Forum is one of two, you know, now there's like three or four, I guess, maybe five. I don't know. There's so many. Um, it's it's one of the premier events. Let's just put it that way without going into numbers. Uh, it's one of the premier events that the Free State Project, which you and I, Stephanie, are both participants of. That doesn't mean that we are necessarily totally agree with the Free State Project or whatever in, in various oh, ways. Oh, man, that's a whole subject we could get into. Yeah, that's let's talk other... about that. Okay, well, let's get into that. But but I just want to finish up with Liberty Forum. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, and this is my, you know, it's one that's, that's held and it, it's often considered to be more of the minarchist event. Minarchism being limited government is where anarchism is no government. And, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of speakers, they'll get a lot more mainstream people as to where Porkfest, Porkfest will often have some perhaps your more far out thinkers, uh, though not that I know on any of this, because I don't think I've ever really caught a talk. At any of these events, I've never really gone to, well, I saw a yeah. couple at Porkfest and I, I've given talks at these events um, or not at, 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 I've given talks for Alt Expo, which uh, is a- Alt Expo is its own animal. Right. Alt Expo is this like uh, side project of these events, be it Porkfest. Were you going to say sideshow? Uh, well, you could call it a sideshow. <laughs> no, I, it, it's <laughs> actually it's not a very, shit show. <laughs> no, it's not. It's no. actually very well organized, very professionally done. Yeah. If I ever go to talks at these things, it's, it's usually, usually Alt Expo because yeah. they have they just put on a better program and they don't even charge for it. Yeah, like you could go to you could show up at the same hotel or the same campground in the case of Rogers, right. not buy a ticket to the official event and be entertained all day by Alt Expo talks. Yeah. And this is commonplace for any kind of conference or event. Uh, it doesn't have to be liberty wise. Uh, the Game Developers Conference, there's side conferences that happen the same week that you can go to where usually most of the genuinely interesting stuff gets brought up. Uh, so not not an uncommon uh, thing, you know, to to occur. Yeah, their whole thing is like exploring the alternatives. Yeah. So whatever that is, whatever the Free State Project official won't touch. I mean, they probably think they're outside the mainstream, but Alt Expo is just like 
beyond that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love it. Uh, and, yeah, and... I do too. I don't know how they do it on such a shoestring budget. I mean, it's organized by two guys, Nick Ford and Jack Shimmick. And well, let's just say Nick Ford has a blog called Abolish Work. He's a sweetheart. He he is. I really yeah. like Nick, actually. Yeah. And But I'm just saying, like, it's not as though he is independently wealthy <laughs> yeah. and he has nothing to do except organize Alt Expo. Like, right. I think he has a, I think he, I'm pretty sure he has like a day job or something. And he's kind of a young guy. And Jack Shimmick is, I don't think he is independently wealthy either. So I if don't he know is, how. He hides the, it well. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's another topic we should talk about. But uh, but um, yeah, I don't know how they pull it together. I guess they get donations. Um, I think I think I remember throwing like 10 or 20 dollar bills in the jar a couple of times yeah, during yeah. Alt Expo, but not every time I admit, right. even though I like the event. And so I don't know how they managed to pull it together. Yeah, but no, it, somehow they do. To their credit, they've been going for like eight years, and that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it is. I'm glad it's there because it gives voice to a lot of the more uh, more forward thinking uh, aspects of liberty, in my opinion. So, uh, so I really appreciate it. But yeah, anyway, me too. Yeah, so so Liberty Forum gets held uh, every year in winter on purpose, uh, and you know it's either it's been in February in the past. This year is the beginning of March. Yeah, it's always February, March. So it's like the, the cusp of winter slash spring. Right. But yeah. there's usually snow on the ground when Liberty Forum happens. Yeah. So and I don't know if they moved it this year to not interfere with Jackfest or um, Jackfest. Jack That's what, in August, isn't what, it? What, when's the Jackalope? The Jackalope Freedom Festival, a.k.a. Jackfest. Yeah, in Arizona. In Arizona is in, by, has by been, Ernie Hancock. No, that's by Alma. That's by that's Alma? Alma Summer, yeah. Oh, I thought Ernie was all... Okay. So Ernie, good, had good the, for Alma. Ernie had the Bitcoin Summit in Phoenix. Yep, he had Which that. was in March. And he usually has... Um, oh, fuck. What's it called? He usually has some kind of festival in like February, March, and it's usually like the same weekend as the oh, Liberty Forum. See, I thought that was Jackfest. No, you're no, confusing. That's, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Jackfest gotcha. is in August. Freedom Summit. Freedom Summit, that's what it was called. And this year it was the Bitcoin Summit instead right. of Freedom Summit. Well, that's Ernie's thing. For most people, it's a Jackfest year round. but <laughs> <laughs> It's always a Jackfest, libertarian stuff. But, uh, I, you know, I have a theory. I think, I think the timing of these events has something to do with the cost of renting hotel space for a convention. Because, you know, February, at, like late February, early March, there's really not much going on and it's not a particularly pretty time of year really anywhere wait a minute wait a minute so are you inferring that a bunch of libertarians are, are going for the cheap seats <laughs> <laughs> well i wasn't gonna say it but <laughs> no i mean they're they're on a budget right like they yeah, yeah, they're no, not I, they don't have unlimited coke brothers money despite what the media likes to say <laughs> it's all this is pretty much all a self-funded right. thing but, you know, another thing we could talk about maybe is the business model of these things, because Porkfest, Liberty Forum and the Free State Project in general as an organization, the official Free State Project, like the board mm. of directors and all that shit, they are like a nonprofit organization. And they now run they are, yeah. and they run, but they always were running a, as sort of a nonprofit organization before that, right. too, before they officially got the 501c3 or 4. I'm not sure which it is. Mm -hmm. Um, they've gotten some kind of official recognition from the 
government that says you don't have to pay taxes if you do this and this and lick our boots and apply. Right. But before that, they their modus operandi, their mode of operation was always sort of as an educational organization. It wasn't to make a profit. And as such, their events are just they're just parties, but they're not meant to be profitable events. They just basically try to break even and not lose too much money on them, mm-hmm. which I think is I think, frankly, that's a mistake. Yeah. I think the Porkfest and Liberty Forum should be brands and they should have CEOs and they maybe not CEOs, but maybe they should be cooperatives or something. But the way it ends up working with the Free State Project is that every year there's a different person in charge and it's a volunteer of doing Liberty Forum and Porkfest. And they always pull out, pull it off and they do a great job. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the event... The fucking volunteer is so burned out and so stressed out and so just like losing their mind that they're like, I'm never going to fucking do this again. And they don't get paid for it or they get paid very, very little, not worth it in terms of money. It's like a labor of love. And people don't last as volunteers if they don't get the recognition and the appreciation like they, You have to pay people somehow, you know, either in appreciation or or like they have so much fun doing it that they want to do it again, or you have to pay them with money. And the Free State Project doesn't really do either. (laughs) And so (laughs) they end up with a different person organizing it every year. There's continuity issues. They're raising the ticket prices every year. It's expensive to rent these spaces, I know, and it's a hard thing to pull it off to organize it. But for for an organization of libertarians who supposedly understand that the profit motive is the best way to organize businesses to make them... Uh, sustainable into the future, they sure don't act like it when it comes to those <laughs> events, you know? Yeah. For Does people... anyone else see this? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, for for a group of people that claim to have the, the economics down, uh, you know, and, and like are, are just masters of how business should be run when given the opportunity to run business in a certain way, they don't. Yeah. You know, okay. And there were a few years. Uh, God, was it... I think it was post Curtis. So this must have been maybe like 2011 to 2012 or 2013 okay. when Jason Osborne, who is an entrepreneur, he actually owns a large business or co-owns it. I'm not exactly sure, but he is some kind of mucky muck, important position in a large uh, business, which is a collections firm. Sure. And he and his wife, Sharon, organized Porkfest for a couple of years in a row. And their his plan... Uh, or their plan for Porkfest was basically to to do that, to introduce the profit motive. And th- he's got a PhD in economics. He's not stupid. And he's and no, he he understands isn't. that this is the best way to run an organization like this. So he was trying to have like a long term plan to make Porkfest a brand and make it have continuity and build it up over several years, maybe like a five year plan to become a profitable event. And I don't know what happened exactly. I'm not filled in on the details, but they only organized it for two years. Right. And then (laughs) either they got sick of it, they didn't want to do it again, or the five-year plan fell apart. I don't know exactly what happened, but that that didn't take place. Um, So now Porkfest is back to changing organizers every single year, and it's going to kind of, it looks like it's going to kind of continue to operate on the volunteer kind of basis. Yeah. And I just wonder what it could be if it was done differently. 
Yeah, I mean, and and some people maybe wouldn't want it to be run more efficiently. Maybe some people would, you know, appreciate the chaos that it is. Uh, I don't know. I mean, do well, most... like when bathrooms aren't working or whatever. Okay, right. But do most people even like remember what they even did during Porkfest? <laughs> well, I do. And <laughs> well, you yeah, do. I do. But <laughs> but that has a lot to do with the fact that we are not consuming any types of intoxicating substances right. <laughs> during that week. Whatever. If they do, they do. That's okay. I'm just saying that, uh, yeah, I, I don't think people care enough, you know, like I don't Maybe even think they remember. True. I mean, it's well, anyway. Yeah, it's entirely possible. I just think, you know, I haven't talked about this much ever on podcasts because I was embarrassed of it. Confession. <laughs> Confession time. So. Conan O'Brien. There. There was <laughs> there was a time in my life where I sort of dalliance with going to some uh BDSM meetups, local meetups, okay? Oh boy. And what I learned out of that whole experience was that I'm not kinky and I'm not into that stuff. And I'll talk about You just ruined so many people's like, like <laughs> fantasies and like about you our lives, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't think we've ever given off the impression that we are into BDSM. Like, I know people, I, I think people like it when we flirt back and forth and they th know we like sex, but not mm. necessarily BDSM, which we don't. We're not into BDSM. I don't know about you, Brian, but I think you, nope, would, yeah, I'm not. you would have a say you had a similar experience at one time. You maybe dalliance with it a little bit and yes. then you found out that you really weren't into it either. Yeah. So. That's the short story of what happened. But the the real reason I wanted to talk about that was because I went to this one event that was a BDSM a camp out, like almost like pork fest, but for BDSM. This is the real pork fest. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> well, the stuff I saw this there the freaked me out fest. so much I'm that sorry. I didn't ever want to go back. But the point of that was that it was on a private property. It was on private okay. property, and people camped. And I mean, it was fine, it, but it was just, it was at a private place. And if Porkfest were like that, I just think it could be even cooler than mm. it already is. Yeah. You know? Well, you raise a great point. And it's actually one of the reasons I really like uh, Liberty Forum, or at least why I've liked it every year, is because it's in the hotel. It's, uh, I don't want to say, I don't want to use the word controlled environment, um, but it's in a... I don't know. It's just, it's not as, I don't even know how to describe it. Whatever. I like being in the hotel. It's nice. Okay. <laughs> you like being in the hotel versus like converging on a town? Well, no, I don't, I don't know if that's the proper comparison. Um, I like being, well, first off, I like winter. Yeah. I'm okay. with you there. Which that's, that's the official story we got. We talked about the, the, you know, that really this is all about holding an event uh, when you can get it on the cheap. Um, that's the, you know, that that might be the reality. But the official story is, is the reason it's done is because we want to, you know, it's supposed to be inviting people to sign up for the Free State Project and for them to experience the winter. Because somehow every human being on planet Earth, which is just positively inconceivable to me. There is not one human being on planet Earth that supposedly appreciates, enjoys, and wishes to endure the winter. <laughs> Seven billion people on this planet, and everybody hates the winter? No, no, no. I don't believe it. Well, there's at least one, me. 
I love I, yeah, well, <laughs> who loves one it. Of, one of the things I love about you. I mean, yeah, I love the winter too. I think uh, it's I think it's peer pressure, and like you said, it's a lifestyle obsession where everybody wants to say, "Oh, look at me! I'm living the life. I never have to deal with cold weather." Oh, Isn't I, that great? Because everybody hates cold cold weather, and like you said, it's just this thing where everybody knows that they can always talk about the weather if they have nothing else to talk about, and so. It's it becomes this immediate status symbol if you always have good weather where you are and you can afford to be in a place like that, I guess. Yeah, this has to stop, okay? <laughs> because this is intellectual laziness, uh, lack of originality. You know, I'm not saying small talk's a bad thing or whatever, but just about any... Not that I've really caught these talks, but most of the ones that I like I've ever seen online later on usually open up with, "Boy, how about that weather, folks? Geez, aren't you glad you're in here? It's negative ten outside, you know." And it's like, and what? You know, maybe I enjoy that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it seems to be like this foregone conclusion that you would prefer to be in a climate that's always perfect or whatever. But you know, okay, let's dispel this right now because we were talking about this um, today, Brian, you and me off the air. And what I was saying this was that this winter has actually been one of the snowiest on record. Boston got more snow than like any other year since like the 18 fucking 60s or oh, something like that. It's fantastic. Since the pilgrims crashed on Plymouth Rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Boston got a ton of snow. New Hampshire got a ton of snow. It's been cold. Like I've ke- I don't know about you guys, but I've been here in New Hampshire. I've kept the thermostat on 60 degrees or even 58 at times because I just don't want to pay for the heat. And, you know, it it also I also read this thing at the beginning of the winter that said um, being cold is healthy for you. Like you increase yeah, it activates your brown fat. Yeah. You, you actually develop as an adult some brown fat, which is um, fat that just creates heat that like burns the fat cells that burn fat, the molecule right. at the fuel, and create heat for you, and it improves your insulin sensitivity, and it has all these health benefits. Oh, there's even tests that, like, if you lived in a ro- like in a house or a room that was like constantly at thirty degrees or whatever, or something like that, you you could like eat all day long, and you could eat whatever you wanted, and you'll you know you'll be in fantastic shape. Yeah, it's, it's almost like this polar bear effect or yeah. something. <laughs> So, so I read that and I was like, okay, this winter, I'm just going to deal with being a little chilly. And you know what? I've got sweaters. I've got double, I can put on two pairs of pants if I want to. Fuck, I work from home. I, <laughs> I always say I dress for the job I want because I wear my pajamas most of the day <laughs> and I feel so comfy and it feels great. Oh, yeah. I mean, if necessary, we can, you know, get some body heat going on. <laughs> Absolutely. <you know. laughs> and I also read another thing at the beginning of the winter, too, that was like ways to stay, ways to beat the cold in the winter, uh, even when you don't want to turn up the heat. And some of those ways that I found really helpful, some of those t- little tips or, dare I say, hacks. No, don't say hacks. no, they're not hacks. Don't I'm not a winter hacks. hacker or a cold <laughs> hacker <laughs> or anything like that. But some of the tips that I found really helpful in that article were um, There are these things that you can buy that are or you can just make your own out of like a sock. You just fill it with like rice or beans or like oatmeal and maybe some good smelling herbs like lavender, dried lavender or something. And you can put it in the microwave for like two minutes and it creates this pillow that you can drape over your shoulders or around your neck or really any part of your body. And it just retains the heat and it keeps you nice and warm for a couple for a few minutes, 20, 30 minutes. And so that was one of the tips. I I got one of those and I've used it daily for the whole winter. It's been super helpful, relaxes my shoulders, really nice. Um 
And you can get your own through the Sovereign Tech Amazon link, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) SovereignTech.com, left-hand side of the page. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then also another tip was to eat soup, like hot soup. Mm -hmm. Um, So all pretty much all day we're making tea, drinking hot tea, drinking hot soup. And it's been fine. And sleeping in the cool sleeping in a cool room you just get such a good sleep like i don't know how to describe it but it puts you into this really restful slumber and you get you get recharged from it and like during the winter i just i stayed cozy it was really nice to be in the house working while there's snow outside knowing i don't have to commute anywhere being with the person i love most in the world which is you brian yeah you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) all day we just kind of hunkered down and um, you know, I got I finished up a lot of like long term projects that I had been working on. It was great. And so, yeah, this winter has been one of the coldest and snowiest that I've experienced. But I loved it. Yeah. And it was a great opportunity to reflect, to tie up loose ends, to do all kinds of things that like I was just really grateful for. And so I think that you can have gratitude and appreciation for any season, you know, no matter what condition you're in. If you're if you're already happy, you're going to be happy in winter, spring, summer, fall. And if you're not happy and you're in perpetual summer, it's not going to make you happy. Yeah, that's a that's fact. the real lesson. That's a fact. At some point, I'm going to talk about that kind of subject because that's we've talked about this often, you know, about. Uh, well, it's it's interesting well, about the obsession of people moving Green, you know, white people from Canada and the U.S. moving to Mexico, Costa Rica, Chile, Argentina, South America, warmer climates, right? And and then saying, "Oh, look at me! I'm so special! I never have to deal with the winter." And yeah, like if you're already happy and just that, it's it's a little extra bonus not having to deal with the winter. Good for you, but. To say like, oh, I'm so glad I live in Costa Rica because all you poor saps having to deal with the winter. How do you live? Oh, and you're also tax slaves and whatever else. It's like, (laughs) you know, that's pretty presumptuous. Like maybe some people like this type of climate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I'm a huge fan, even as a kid, you know. You know, the other thing is, I don't want to sound racist with this, but I kind of have a rant about this. Okay, because we live in New Hampshire it's like, let's be honest, it's 99% white people. Yeah. There's very few people of color here, okay? True. Uh, except in Hanover, where there's Asians and Indians and a few black people, I suppose. But, you know, that's because of Dartmouth. Because uh-huh. they t- purposely try, they want diversity in their in their staff and their students. So they try to hire people from different countries, different backgrounds, and they do it like and they really do it. But I've seen so many people, white people, black people, everybody who just struggle in the winter. They get depressed. There's no other way to talk about it. And like skin color evolved. And this is the part where I really don't want to be perceived as racist, but there's like people's, the shades of people's skin and their hair and all their, their out, their outer external features evolved because they were at a certain latitude and they had to have a balance between making enough vitamin D in the sunlight, which melanin kind of shields you from sunlight. So if you're an intense, if you're in a climate with intense sun, you need more melanin in your skin to to shield out the um, the radiation from the sun mm-hmm. and still make enough vitamin D. 
uh, versus uh, there's something about folate in pregnant women. Folate is a vitamin that's super important for the development of the fetus. And if you have, if you let too much, if you let too much sun in, like you need the sunlight to make vitamin D, but if your skin lets too much sunlight through, it can destroy the folate. So there has to be this balance. And nature came up with skin pigmentation as a way to adjust, to fine tune that balance between making enough vitamin D and protecting the folate levels. Uh, And so people, you know, people with really light skin like us, they're probably most suited for living in northern latitudes just because they have the genetics to deal with the environment better. And like, you should live wherever you want. Okay, you should live wherever it makes you most happy. Right. But if if me as a very as an Irish person with who never tans, always burns, don't have that gene, you know, I just don't have the genetics to tan really <laughs> to develop a lot of color in my skin. If I were to live in a hot sunny climate all the time, I'd probably be getting lots of skin cancer and sun damage and that would negatively affect my happiness. And sure. the same thing if you're like if you're really black you, you're from Africa, you're African descent and you're super dark skin and you go and live in Scandinavia or like Nova Scotia or even New Hampshire. Maybe there's some aspects of maybe you're just not getting enough sunlight for you and you're not going to be as happy. And that d- sunlight does affect mood and uh, physiology, all kinds of aspects of uh, physiology. So, again, like I'm saying, I like diversity. I like you know, having all different kinds of people around me. And I think you should live wherever you want to live. I, I think borders are imaginary lines. Like, fuck that shit. You should be able to go anywhere on this planet that you want. But maybe um, your genetics are telling you a message of where it might just be easiest for you to work with the environment that you're living in. Sure. You know? Bioregions aren't imaginary lines. Uh, those are very real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, so really what you're saying is, is, you know, you live up here because you just want to be around white people, right? I mean, <laughs> no, I'm not saying that <laughs> at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I thought it was all, you know, just that black people were the descendants of, of Ham, uh, you know, Noah's son oh, God. and that he was cursed and so that they're cursed. Uh, so you, that's what your they tell you in the Mormon church. Is, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what they tell you in some Christian oh, sects, yeah, isn't it? Right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, your, your explanation, I think, makes a whole lot more sense. Uh, but, Believe you know, me, I would love it if there were just lots of Latina women oh, walking around in this town. Oh, yeah. I would love it. Yeah. But well, <laughs> it may not be the climate in which they are happiest. So. Yeah. Either way, we should respect those opinions that black people are a curse. Uh, you know, we would not want to. Uh, Stop. No, it, I mean, this is the thing. They they deserve respect, apparently, because, uh, you know, their ideas are their ideas, regardless of the lack of uh, science. Are you talking evidence. about respect the Christians ideas? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, there's, no, there's you know, there's some things that are just OK. Reality, objective reality exists outside of our perception of it and some things are just objectively crazy bullshit and you don't have to respect them <laughs> right on so <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about pork fest and uh, the liberty, liberty forum. forum all right so, <laughs> so, well we were talking about the free you were i think i i think i super interrupted you and i'm sorry brian we oh no 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 two hours that's... about nothing again <laughs> <laughs> that's all right <laughs> but you were starting to say about the free state projects has has these two events 
Liberty Forum and Porkfest, and you enjoyed being in the hotel at Liberty Forum, and you were still trying to kind of articulate why you liked what you liked about being inside this hotel. Oh, I just enjoyed it more in general for, I, I don't know, just to my own taste. I'm not telling people what to do, but just to my own taste, I, I, I like the, uh, first off, I love the winter, you know, uh, and I love the access to a hot tub that generally Liberty Forum allows for. This year it was in a new hotel, very nice hotel at that, uh, the Radisson in Manchester before it was at the Crown Plaza in Nashua. Um, unfortunately the hot tub was not working at the Radisson this year. Yeah. So, we're cursed when it comes to hot tubs. Yeah. We just yeah. can't find a working hot tub <laughs> wherever we go. Or, yeah. or it's a dirty little secret of the hotel business that the hot tub is always broken. <laughs> so you, like, you can we'll, advertise we'll it on your we website, one. Yeah. <laughs> but it's always broken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I don't know. I like the atmosphere better. Um, so, did you went to Liberty Forum at, at the Nashua Hotel a couple of years, right? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, we should explain. Porkfest has been at the same venue for the past eight or nine years, I want to say. Right. Since maybe 2007, I think, was the first year they had it at Rogers. So, yeah, it's eight years. Um, but Liberty Forum has moved. So it, it used to be in the Crown Plaza in Nashua, New Hampshire. Right. This year it was in the Radisson in Manchester, New Hampshire. Right. Now, this is an interesting development. I don't know if, I don't know what the backstory is on that move. There's a couple of theories that I have. I don't know if you want to hear them. But regardless of that, they moved venues this year. And the new venue was really nice. Like, I actually love that Radisson yeah, in Manchester. Yeah, like I was saying, I loved it too. I thought it was a much nicer hotel. Yeah, it had a it had a bar inside, a, like a pub, so you could get food and drinks. And it had very nice rooms with sleep number beds. A big bay window, slanted. It was really beautiful. Um, the room was spacious. It was clean. Like, I give it a five-star review. Like, it was really good. <laughs> yeah, other than the hot tub being Other than the hot down, tub, yeah. It, it, was, it was. It was really, really nice. The room was great. The they view, had a nice gym. Yeah, the view. Yeah, the gym was nice. The view was nice. All, all of that was Staff, was very really nice. Great. Yeah, and... and good the, place to have a convention. Yeah, absolutely. And the area where they were holding it uh, seemed to work pretty well. Now, again, we didn't really catch any of the talks. Um, and we, we just kind of got to... talks. Yeah, <laughs> we just got to sort of, you know, talk to people uh, there. And it was easy enough to run into everybody. If there's someone, Kenny, you're wanting to see, I think you, you, you in many ways you had the opportunity uh, to do that. And, yeah, I just... I don't, I don't know, like... I don't mind being out in the woods. In mm -hmm. fact, I love living out in, you know, in the woods. Um, but, you know, just, just, I guess there's an overall comfort of the fact that, you know, you can sit down. Like one night we were sitting down in the lobby. We were talking to, uh, to, to Jay Noon. Um, mm -hmm. who's, and a bunch a, of other people. Yeah. And a bunch of other people. Jay Noon has a very interesting story. He's not, he's, he's kind of, kind of famous if you listen to free talk live. So I'm not like, you know, giving away secret information of any kind. Um, and you know, had a, had a good conversation there, but I didn't have to worry about being around, you know, a gigantic bonfire, you know, with, I don't know, whatever. With random people who would come stand under your umbrella. <laughs> yeah. Or who would be like, hey, man, you want to hit? No. <laughs> you know, I know yeah. I know this is going to shock you. OK, <laughs> but I actually don't want to hit, nor do I want a sip of whatever you're bringing with you. OK, <laughs> 
you know, I say, hey, you want to go hit the range in the morning? You know, you know, I know it's going to shock you, <laughs> but I actually don't like guns. All right. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's just an overall, you know, vibe, for lack of a better phrase, that yeah, I, I appreciate I more about saying. Liberty Forum than I do uh, uh, Porkfest. So a not, more not civilized, saying, right? Decorum. Well, nah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. No, just kidding. <laughs> no. no, but I, I know what you mean. It's it's a little less. Yeah, like, I mean, and people are free to do all that shit. That's fine. I'm just saying that it's what I like. Okay? I'm, I'm sure 99% of people would turn right around and say, oh, I love being around that bonfire. I don't remember what the hell I was saying, but I love being around that bonfire. So, anyway. The bonfire at Porkfest has a certain charm. I I yeah, will it's say got a charm, yeah. Um, but I but I appreciate the hotel atmosphere as well. So, okay, theories about why it moved. Yeah, go for it. Um, I was thinking about this over the weekend that I was there, and I was like, why did they move? Well, one one reason perhaps is that. Well, all right, hold on. The official report from the nine eleven commission says <laughs> that it was to get closer to the be closer to the airport, or I mean the the free. The Free State Project, not the 9-11 Commission. Sorry. <laughs> is that what they said? As I understand it, that's what they said, is so that so that it was easier transportation. So that sounds like a convenient bullshit story. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> no kidding. I think, you know, I'm just speculating here. I was not involved with the organization no, no, of this no. at all. All right. I know what you're going to say. There was Building 7-Eleven, <laughs> which is that 7-Eleven next door to the Crown Nashua. There really is one. And somehow, we don't know how, but debris hit this building 7-Eleven and, and, and took out the building. And ever since then... And all the Jews took the day off. Yeah, and all the Jews took the day off. And ever since then, we had to, you know, we, we had to move uh, because we, we, you know, it, that, that's, that, that's what you're going to say. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I was going to say, I wondered if the, the Crown Plaza in Nashua was just some kind of an artifact. Like they had had it there for many years. There was, first of all, there was no Liberty Forum in like 2011 or something because the guy who was organizing it just dropped the ball and fucked it up. And he could, we, there was yeah. no Liberty Forum that year. Um, but uh, every other year for the past like almost nine years that I've lived here, they've had a Liberty Forum. And it was always at this Nashua Crown Plaza. Now, maybe they got a good deal the first year and then they were like, yeah, that sounds good. We'll just keep going back year after year. And then maybe they jacked up the price. I don't know. Or perhaps it was inconvenient for the speakers to fly into Manchester and then have to drive to Nashua, which is 20, 30 minutes away and uh, required pretty much renting a car or having some lackey free stater like, give them a ride to the airport. Right. Now, <laughs> Not lackeys. They're great volunteers. Yes, I was, like The people yeah. I knew who gave rides last year was like Carolyn, and she's really cool. She's amazing. Yeah. I wouldn't want to describe her that way. But, you know, someone had to do the work of transporting them, whether it was the speaker themselves or whether that was uh, somebody else. So that could be a reason. But the third reason I was thinking was that there was a big party that would happen every year. And it, it used to be the Sex, Lies, and Anarchy Party that was organized by Antigone that would go on at the Quill. And the Quill is a private club for free staters in Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, or it's not all for free staters, but it's mostly free staters and it's for liberty people. Right. It used to be that you weren't supposed to talk about it. And now you can talk about it, apparently. But anyway... <laughs> Yeah, it's please, a private clubhouse for liberty lovers. Right. And please, you know, make no mistake. It's not, you know, 
even if you're somewhat of a celebritarian, you but you got to pay at the door. I mean, like <laughs> like this is no. We paid. We paid at the door. Yeah, there's there's no freeloaders into. Uh, That's right. <laughs> into the quilt. Who do you think you are? Yeah. <laughs> we should have told him we know Jeff Berwick. <laughs> <laughs> That's hey, a joke. Hey, <laughs> I know Jeff Berwick. <laughs> That's uh, a joke because. There was a, an Arcapulco is Jeff Berwick's conference. Which we still have that special to release at some point. Go ahead. Oh, but we, so we didn't go to an Arcapulco. We went to right. Cancun and we saw Jeff Berwick there. Different story. But anyway, at. Oh, right, for, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. The Cancun special. Yeah, go. For an Arcapulco, Jeff sent out this FAQ or he wrote this FAQ about like how to behave. And it was really weird. It was about like how to behave in Acapulco. And one of the Q&A points was like, well, you know, the nightclubs get hard to get into. There's bouncers at the doors. You should dress really nice. And if you have trouble getting in, just say, you know, Jeff Berwick, and they'll let you in. <laughs> now, this doesn't work if you're trying to get into Mexico. Right. Because another guy got turned away at the border, apparently, for saying he was an anarchist. And why you would tell that to a border agent, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> why apparently would that didn't work. Them? I, I, well, well, I guess in his defense, that guy didn't try saying, hey, I know Jeff Berwick. Let me into Mexico. <laughs> that would have been. I awesome. wish he would have. I wish he would have and got it on camera. But anyway, <laughs> so so yeah. Uh, so there's this party that used to happen every year um, at the Quill, and people would be driving sometimes in the snow, sometimes late at night, sometimes probably intoxicated from Nashua to Manchester and back to attend this party, which is about twenty thirty minutes, right? Yeah. And it's it's so that's not an insignificant distance. And there was like a bus that went there was like a shuttle bus that went back and forth. But when you're at a hotel and you're kind of just like settling in for the night, it's like, oh, man, I don't want to take yeah, a 30 a minute bus ride to yeah. this place. You know, like that's that's annoying. Yeah, so yeah. I think that and and the irony of this all is that Antigone, who organized this party for like three years, I think. It went for like two or three years and it was like a big deal. Like people were talking about it. Oh, did you go to the SLA party last night? Like she apparently left. She she moved away. Yeah. Like, she and went, she wasn't there this year. Yeah. So the, the year that return. they moved the Liberty <laughs> Forum to Manchester, she wasn't even there to like enjoy her party, which I think I had thought she liked in the past. Yeah. 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 So that, that was kind of the theory is that it was to have this be closer to this party. And so that, you know, and so certain yeah. people must have been behind it and whatever. Or and, just the, the organizers of Liberty Forum yeah, knew that this party it. was like the event of Liberty Forum. It was like a big deal. Yeah. So yeah, they yeah. wanted the, the forum to be closer to Manchester so that people could go to this party more easily. But anyway, they did move it to Manchester and there was a party at the Quill. But yeah. it wasn't the SLA party. It was the Rebel Love Ice Luge party, <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah. which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, I'll, I'll give this, you know, one one little plug. Um, the Rebel Love Show, which is run by uh, Rob Matthias and Shire Dude. Uh, it, and, um, you know, it's a podcast. It's it's out there. So. Yeah, I listened to a couple episodes. You know, I never listened to it until this week when they were like, you guys should be on. Yeah, I just yeah, I had never deal. listened to it until just recently. And I started listening to it. And some of it's really good. Like, I like I really like it when Anne is the rebel mistress is on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a great personality. And uh, yeah, there were some cool things about it. So yeah, they, they had Brett and Allie, Brett, Brett. Vinod yeah, of, that was uh, a good show. Yeah. 
yeah, of school. I like the sort of casual conversation aspect. I don't know how much appeal it has to people who don't know the those who are on it. Like part of what I found so appealing about it was that there were my friends were on it, you know, right. <laughs> like well, I knew the people who were on it. <laughs> it's important to have those kind of shows, to have those certain insider shows. I mean, every industry, every every movement, every, you know, kind of niche niche uh, you know, like, you know, wrestling has its dirt sheets that no one outside of wrestling fans would have any fucking clue what the hell's even on those. You know, <laughs> uh, it wouldn't make any sense. And, uh, you know, what so, is a dirt sheet, by the way, uh, a dirt sheet in wrestling is essentially, you know, like like a, a contraband information from backstage. Oh, okay. yeah, that that's a dirt sheet. And uh, it, it see, it sounds like it could be one of those things like the Cleveland steamer or like Dirty Sanchez or something <laughs> like one of those sex acts that nobody actually does that they just give these ridiculous names for. Yeah, no, not that. <laughs> Dude, I got a dirt sheet last night. Bro. Yeah, dirt sheet is not toilet paper. So <laughs> Uh, yeah. So anyway, so I, I, you know, I can appreciate those those kind of shows uh, existing, but I think they're more listened. They're more widely listened to out from people who don't live in New Hampshire. Sure. Yeah. Because they want to like, they want to like see what it's like. They want to know what the culture is like of people. Like, what is it going to be like if I move to New Hampshire and start hanging out with people? Right. who are free staters. Right. And that they can get those questions answered by listening to some of these shows, but then it creates a weird dynamic because then the the hosts don't know that like these people are listening and then people show up to things like Liberty Forum and they're like, "Oh my god, I know you. I feel like I'm so intimate <laughs> friends with you." And you're like, "Who are you? I have no idea who you are." Yeah, yeah. And it creates this weird one-sided dynamic. Yeah. No, it's true. It's something we, you know, they're not that that's we, the problem. I haven't figured out how to solve in podcasting. I, don't, I just yeah, and I don't. I don't think there is any way to to really, not. you know, solve it. Uh, you know, it's just as long as both parties are respectful that that's how the dynamic works. That's about the best you know you can do. And I've run into plenty of people that listen to Sovereign Tech or even a Sex and Science Hour that we used to do, mm-hmm. you know, or, or whatever. And um, Which we're gonna do again. We yeah, that that's uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, and and they will they will recognize that, it, that and they'll make it plain that they're aware that that is that that's occurring and mm-hmm. that that's really you know that that's that's kind of how it can be solved. So, um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, so we went to the you know the Liberty Forum itself. We didn't, again, we didn't really go around, look, you know, talk to the vendors or everything. We kind of talked to some people that we had, you know, that, okay. So we, we talked to some people that we know that was, that was the end of the sentence there. I, I'm terrible mm-hmm. about that. You know, now our timeline is sentences. getting all weird here. It's true, but we really only experienced Saturday. Saturday late afternoon. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, well, okay. Anyway, I'll, we I'll fill people in on this. So Friday. We finish up our work for the week at like six o'clock p.m. Right. We decide we're going to go to this amazing Indian restaurant in amazing. Salem, Mass- in Salem, New Hampshire, not Massachusetts. Salem, New Hampshire is almost like Massachusetts. It's incredibly civilized for New Hampshire. It's yeah, got it's two malls. Mall. Yeah, two all, malls. All the stuff you could want. <laughs> I think they even have like fiber running there. They have FiOS. Oh man, yeah, I'm I jealous. Know. I know. And they have a, an amazing Indian restaurant that's actually run by Indian people. We have one in, in the Upper Valley, too, that's run by Indian people, Jewel yeah. of India. And they're good, but they're just not as good as Kashmir. Right. <laughs> right. 
But I'll take Jewel of India because they're local. So yes. they're they're definitely good enough for me. It's it's really funny because so the, this local Indian restaurant, Jewel of India, has a they have these like awards hanging on their wall when you go into the restaurant that say um, voted best Indian food of the Upper Valley in 2015, 2014, 2013. And it's going back for like years and years and years. And I always look at those and I'm like, there is no other Indian food in the Upper Valley. (laughs) (laughs) They're the only one. Yeah. (laughs) So of course they're the best. Yeah. (laughs) But no, they're they're really good. They're definitely worth a try if you're in Hanover, uh, New Hampshire. But anyway, so we wanted to go to Kashmir because they're they're just, they're great. Um, We found out about it because one time we were flying out of Boston and we stopped there to get takeout on the way to the airport because it was sort of on the way. Yeah. And they just, it was just the most amazing, delicious, comforting food before we left for this trip. And it was just, it left us with really fond memories of the place. So, Oh, yeah. So we take every <laughs> excuse we can to go there. Yeah. So it's kind of far away from where we live, but it's worth it. So uh, every once in a while. So we drove down there and we, we get there. The place is packed. Like we had to wait for a table, which almost apparently, according to them, that almost never happens. Right. But we sat down at like we got seated maybe around 830 and we didn't you get our food until like 10. <laughs> so <laughs> so it was already late, but we just, you know, caught up relaxed and after we were done with our food we headed back to Manchester and we got checked into the hotel and then we kind of like went and hung out at a party for a while um and we talked to some people and then we kind of called it a night and then Saturday we slept in late had some fun in the morning oh, yeah. <laughs> we uh <laughs> did some yoga in the hotel room Brian did a workout I did yoga and uh, then we tried to explore the hot tub, but it was broken. Right. <laughs> and uh, then we went downstairs. We got dressed, went downstairs and started talking to people. And we chatted, talked to people. I don't know if we have to go into our private conversations, but no, suffice uh, it to say, we yeah. missed all the talks. And we barely felt like we were there, even though we were like physically present from Friday night to Saturday night. But we felt like we didn't right. show up too much. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into the party, there's a couple things I want to talk about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll go backwards. We'll start with people were, you know, talking at the at the event, you know, at, at Liberty Forum, talking with people. And that is, you know, I'm kind of noticing of all ironies that these events, be it Keenvention, Liberty Forum, Porkfest, whatever, that it's in many ways like a family reunion. And I don't mean with our, you know, family of origin, but <laughs> with our family of, of somewhat of choice, uh, you know, it's it's really like... That, what happens if you dissociate from your family of choice? Is that a defuck? Defuck. You've been defucked. <laughs> Instead of a defu. <laughs> I like that. Just kidding. Uh, yeah. So, but, you know, it, it's it's often just that, you know, and, and it's funny because we live nearer or, I mean, not, you know, an hour away, however you know, whatever the distance may be, uh, sometimes significantly longer, but I mean, you know, we live near each other and we, we never really like talk or, or, or see each other, you know, that, that much. Um, and so a lot of times I feel like these events are just like, okay, this is a time to not go catch talks or anything like that, but it's time to just catch up with. Yeah. First things first, like I'm already an anarchist. I don't really need much yeah, I suppose there's not a whole that. lot of convincing to go on, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So and you can get that from podcasts and videos too. But the, the right. real thing you can't get is in person interactions with other people. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this isn't like a new statement. Most people recognize that a lot of these, you know, that conventions are either for networking or fucking. And well, it's. Well, we did both. Yeah. So uh, that's yeah, that's right. Uh, So anyway, so I mean, it's not like I'm saying anything new, but just that's my kind of perspective. And I and I enjoyed for that. You know, that that's okay with me. We had great conversations, uh, you know, throughout the throughout the whole event. So but I want to back up even further to where, you know, going to get. Uh, the Indian food in Salem, uh, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. because see, we and I don't, I don't know if people know this about you and I, but you know, as late we've been on a, a, a somewhat of a, a different diet. It's still paleo essentially, yeah. but we only eat once a day. Yeah, uh, intermittent yeah. fasting. Yeah, late at night we only eat dinner, and sometimes it'll be a large dinner, but but we only yeah, it's intermittent fasting. We only eat uh, dinner. I mean, and you know, I, late I think at people night. would love to hear about it. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Um, I'd love to. One thing you said, though, late at night, a lot of times it'll end up being late at night, but it's not my intention to eat late at night. (laughs) Right. Right. My intention is is to eat dinner around six or seven o'clock. Yeah. And then not eat again for another 24 hours. But usually what happens is like I'm doing voiceovers and I'm like, oh, I got to get back to this client before five. I told him I get back to them by the end of the day, which isn't really the end of my day because <laughs> my day starts later uh, than yeah. 9 a.m. But um, yeah, like usually I'm working on voiceovers. And I'm like, oh, I just want to finish this one thing up before we start dinner. And then like then we're like, oh, shit. Well, we want to work out before dinner. Usually we try to work out before dinner. Yeah. So we then we're like, OK, let's get a workout. And then we're like, all right, well, we can we can just squeeze out 20 minutes. And we're really hungry, but we can manage this 20 minute workout. And then a 20 minute workout turns into like a 45 minute workout, which is great because because <laughs> you're doing more than you thought you could. And all that you need to do is say, OK, if I can make it through 20 minutes, I'm just going to start. And then you let it take off. But anyway, so then like then it's like eight and then like we have to cook dinner. Right. <laughs> so it takes a while to like decide what we're going to eat and like cook it up. And and we're generally watching Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. At least right now it's The Next Generation. Yeah, we're rewatching we the whole yeah. series and it's been <laughs> awesome. So then it may take like an hour to cook dinner. And then by the time we actually eat, it's like sometimes like nine or ten. So yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but, you know, but it's an interesting, and yeah, generally we do want to, you know, we work out. I mean, it's anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour, depending on the day, how long we yeah. work out or whatever. Um, but intermittent fasting, I mean, this is not necessarily new. In fact, it's in many ways trying to hearken to some uh, some evolutionary biology. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but but it's something that's, that's getting touted. A lot of people, it's becoming kind of popular, I guess. It is. It's getting touted and... The only caveat to that is that there are lots of people out there like Stephanie Ruper, who I would really like to meet. Um, actually, I'd like to do more than meet her. I was going to say, how uh, would you like to meet her? <laughs> but she's like, she has got this blog, awesome blog called Paleo for Women. We actually have a lot in common because I think she actually also has a PhD from Dartmouth. And mm. she's she like maybe she lives in Boston area or something like that. So eventually I hope to meet her. I think she's not in the country right now. But anyway, she's got the Paleo for Women blog. And she says that women should not do intermittent fasting because it will put your body into a starvation mode and it'll fuck with your ovaries and your estrogen and progesterone will get all screwed up and you might like stop ovulating and stuff like that. Okay. And you don't want that. So she says don't don't do it or it might mess with your thyroid hormone, your hair will fall out and things like that. And I I certainly believe that could be true. Um, but for you me, do it anyway. Yeah, for me, 
you know, maybe that is true a little bit. I haven't experienced any disruptions to my cycle while I've been intermittent fasting, which is great. Um, maybe that means my body has enough reserves to to do it without a problem. You know, I'm not like super low body fat or anything. Maybe that just becomes a problem when you get really, really ripped and lean. Right. And I don't have that. So maybe my body's fine with it. Um, but for me, the thing that I find is, so you, people may not know this, but when I was a child, I was overweight and actually probably into the obese category. I was very big. And I think when you when you are a child and a teenager and you go through puberty and you're overweight, there's a set point or something in your brain, hypothalamus, whatever, that's that wants to be at that higher weight that says, yeah, this is the correct amount of body fat. It should be up here. Whereas maybe that's more than a healthy weight. And so also combined with some of the eating habits and the habits about when to eat, how much to eat, that kind of thing, you know, uh, feelings, not really connecting like emotional eating stuff that I learned from my parents growing up. I just have trouble. Like I could just eat and eat like I could eat. I could easily overeat. And most people have that problem. You know, most people... Most people in American society, I don't know if it's the culture or the portion sizes or what, there's a huge, there's always ongoing debate about that. But somehow in America, in American culture, it is, it is made very easy for people to overeat. And I live in American culture, so I'm affected by that, as well as having the, um, the past history of overweight and mm-hmm. of not really learning the healthiest eating habits um, growing up. So for me... Intermittent fasting and eating one meal a day is a great way to help me control how much I'm eating. And it's not like it's a starvation thing at all or anything like that. It's just that I get to have I get I get to make a deal with myself and sort of say, well, okay, I'm only going to eat, you know, I'm only going to eat once a day. And that's easy because I'm busy all day. I've got a lot of stuff to do. Sure. And I, I forget about it. You know, I Which don't. Which is pretty key because you got to be distracted. Yeah. To be able to distraction is the number one key to intermittent fasting to right. making it work. Because otherwise, if you're, you don't have anything to do, you will will be thinking about food all day. <laughs> yep. You'll just constantly nonstop. You'll be talking about it all day. It'll just be crazy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, go ahead. You might even be posting pictures on Facebook all day of your food. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Brian hates it when people post food pics. Oh, do I? (laughs) But um, so like for me, if I only eat once a day, I get to feel like I'm eating a huge meal. I get to eat like 2000 calories in one sitting and I get to feel like, oh my God, I just ate like so much. I'm so satisfied. I feel great about this. And then like, I'm happy. Then I'm not like, oh, I can still eat more. Maybe I have room to eat more today. I think I will. I'm like, nope, this is the one This is the one shot that I get today. And I'm going to eat this big meal. And I feel really, I feel like I did eat a lot because I did. It's just that I ate it all in one sitting. So it feels like I ate more while I'm in actuality, I'm eating less. Right, right. Yeah. So it definitely plays on the whole idea of like diet restriction, where it's, yeah. you're not you're not dealing with the depression of, oh, man, you know, I'm only eating this, this little plate. I'd love to have more or whatever. Yeah, uh, it doesn't feel 
it doesn't feel restricted, you know? Right. Some people do intermittent fasting differently where they might have like an, an eating window. So for like, for instance, they might be able to eat anything they want, but only for these six hours of the day. So between noon and 6 p.m., they maybe eat, will eat lunch and dinner, but they have to restrict their eating to that window. So it keeps them from eating too much and snacking outside of it. Some people like that. Some people like us do one meal a day, you know? Yeah. And it's it's very interesting because, like, I used to be a really strict low carber, and I still I still do eat pretty low carb. Yes. But I find that if once a week I want to have some potatoes or whatever, or maybe like some fruits or sugar or like whatever, you know, carbs, even sometimes rice. Although I'm I don't do particularly well with rice, so I try to avoid it. But right. if but if I must, you know, once a week eating once a day, it's no big deal. It doesn't cause you to gain 10, five pounds, one, even one or two pounds, really. If yeah. you like, so I guess what I'm saying is that you, you may have a little more flexibility as long as you're not like allergic to the foods you're eating. Like if you're allergic to gluten and you eat bread on your intermittent fast, it's not going to go well for you. But right. <laughs> like if you eat a few extra carbs uh, during intermittent fasting, your body's more likely to handle those better because you've been, you know, tuning your insulin sensitivity with that fast for the right. past 24 hours. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the essential idea is you want to eat within in like an eight hour window per day, right? Well, not or necessarily eight. Six. Well, there's different theories about that. Okay. So you can, if you want to, you know, figure out what you're interested in, if you're thinking about doing this for yourself, check out. Martin Birkin's blog, Lean Gains, which he talks about intermittent fasting combined with like weight training to get really low body fat and that ripped kind of look. So he recommends like an eating window between like four to eight hours. And for women, he says longer, like 10 to 12. You're right. For, but for guys, he says like four to six or something like that. Then there's, oh God, what is that guy's name? Eat, stop, eat, Brad something. Mm -hmm. I'm terrible. I'm a terrible paleo. I forgot his name, <laughs> but he's got the book called Eat, Stop, Eat. That is a great book about intermittent fasting as well. And um, Mark Sisson also, of course, has intermittent fasting resources. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff about it online. I think Eat, Stop, Eat describes a bunch of different approaches, but I think he's more on the side of once a day, you know, one meal a day. Right. Something else we do a couple times a week uh, is kind of carb load, right? Which yeah, we is, might have like a one day a week where we eat more carbs than we normally do. Right, right. And that kind of, you know, there, there's a lot of science behind this. Actually, Mark Sisson, uh, he talks about it quite a bit where, you know, it kind of gets your get your metabolism reset, you know, and it, it, it allows yeah. you to actually, it, though it would seem antithetical to this goal, it actually allows you to lose more weight. Right. Yeah. So the idea behind it is that you're manipulating the hormones. So if you have one day a week where you eat maybe more food than you normally do and also more carbohydrates, what your body is going to do is synthesize some fat and it produces a lot of leptin. Leptin is a hormone that signals to your body or to your brain from your body that you are fed, you are well fed, you have enough energy reserves. And that boost in leptin lasts you several days. Right. And so over the next several days, you actually eat less. Right. And so, but you don't feel deprived and you feel more satiated if you have that once a week kind of carby cheat day, if you want to call it that. Now, I will say about cheat days, it's very easy to let a cheat 
day or a cheat meal turn into a cheat weekend. <laughs> and that's what you need to avoid. And that's why some people have a lot of trouble with them, because once they have that one taste, <laughs> they want more. <laughs> so yeah. you really have to be on the ball about um, getting right back on your your normal diet after <laughs> after you do that. So, yeah, I will yeah. say definitely like the day after a cheat day is tough. Because like can you, be, yeah. you want to eat like that way again, <laughs> you know, and, and so that that's definitely a hard part. Um, but anyway, so that that's why, you know, like like going to the Indian place and we were kind of waiting. Normally, I don't mind waiting, but like it was getting like eight, nine. Oh, o'clock, we were whatever. ready to we gnaw our arms so off. so <laughs> hungry, you know, because of the way, you know, because of the way we diet. Oh, and we were like smelling the curries oh, and like God, oh, yeah. seeing other mm. people get their food. And we were like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, the next day, you know, so. Oh, the, just one more thing about yeah, please, intermittent fasting. Please. So um, one thing I wanted to mention about the eating window versus just the one meal a day thing is that. um if you're if you're new to intermittent fasting, oh, sorry, a second thing. <laughs> All right. It's easier to do if you eat sort of a lower carb, high fat diet because fat is more satiating and it's going to last you longer. Right. You you know, everybody knows that if you eat eggs for breakfast, let's just say if you're a breakfast kind of person, if you eat bacon and eggs for breakfast, you are less likely to feel hungry by lunch than if you eat like a plain bagel for breakfast. Right. You know? So like protein, fat, and there's actual studies to, to show this. Like if you eat the same amount of calories for breakfast, all carbohydrates versus fat and protein, the, the protein and fat satiates you way longer. Like people just eat way less at the next meal when they've, got, they've had a fat meal versus a carb meal. So um, it works better if you do low carb. Um, I will yeah. say that. The thing about the eating windows is that if you're new to it, if you've never done intermittent fasting and you want to try it, um, the easiest way to get into it is by starting off with a wide eating window, let's say 12 hours, so like you can eat between noon and midnight, right? And then every week, just shorten that window by a couple of hours. So then the next week, you, the next week you can eat between noon and 10 p.m. The next week you can eat between noon and 8 p.m. or whatever your preference is until you're down as low as you want to go. And people have different goals for it, too. Some people want to lose fat. Some people just want to, you know, just want to try it for an experiment. Some people want to just, you know, be able to get through their whole workday without being distracted by taking a lunch break, which is, I mean, it's very helpful for that. Yeah, yeah, I will say definitely very helpful for that. So you know, bottom line is see what works for you. And I think it's been great. I'm planning on continuing doing this. I, I really like it. Oh, I don't see any reason to stop. And it, it's cheap. Like it's cheaper yeah. uh, to eat this way. I mean, by a long shot. I mean, yeah. you're cutting out, you know, at least one, if not two meals a day. Uh, so it, Yeah, you know. I think you, you really do end up eating less overall. Yeah. I will say that in the past, I've done intermittent fasting one meal a day. And I've maintained my weight on it and I haven't gained weight, but I haven't lost weight. And I think that's because like I just it's so easy for me personally to overeat that I can just consume a lot of calories, even if it's in one setting. So I've actually started tracking tracking calories too, like how much I'm actually eating and trying to keep it within a certain range. And I have been losing weight the last three weeks that I've been doing it, um, you know, like seven or eight pounds. Yeah, yeah, so, same here, same here. Get, 
packed on a little bit extra this winter. (laughs) (laughs) Not like I have a lot to lose or anything, but, you know, it's just kind of vanity. Yeah. (laughs) Vanity thing. (laughs) But it's working. Yeah. (laughs) So you may have to combine it with actually... I like counting calories because it's... I'm more in touch with reality. I feel like I'm touching down with reality more often, you know? Right. Like, because... There are all these studies that show that humans are just terrible at at estimating how much they ate. Like if you don't actually keep track of it, you most people will underestimate how much they ate by about a third. So they will actually eat a third more than they thought they did. Right. And so I feel like writing down what I eat, which I only have to do once a day because I only eat once a day. That is helping me get a healthier sense of how much food my body actually needs to function. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I I don't do that, but I can definitely see the benefit uh, of doing yeah. it, and and certainly the systems you use make it very easy. Yeah, uh, I've been so, using Chronometer yeah, software. Chrono, right. So, uh, you know. So anyway, that that's great. I don't know if anybody's. I don't think we ever really talked about intermittent fasting before on Sovereign Tech, so I'm kind of glad to get that out there. Right on. Um, and it, I can, I mean, you got two people here that'll certainly say, hey, this this stuff works. Of course, you know, I did just, <laughs> I just got a story today that a woman who's 104 years old says for the past 40 years, she's drank three cans of Dr. Pepper, not diet, three I- cans of Dr. Pepper a day. I call bullshit on this. Well, the first thing I said when I heard her story was, is her name Aunt Millie? Because that's that's the whole thing about Aunt Millie stories. Like, my Aunt Millie is 95 years old and she's smoked two packs of cigarettes a day since she was 16. You know, like, it's like the uh, your, the Aunt Millie story is the personal anecdote that defies a scientifically proven thing in health, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, and people will use it to justify... Well, my Aunt Millie smoked two packs a day and she's 95. So therefore, smoking doesn't hurt you. Right. And that's totally not true. It's an anecdotal thing, N of one, versus the thousands and millions of experiences of people who did the same thing and died a lot earlier and got lung cancer. So anyway, so the first thing I said is is her name Aunt Millie. (laughs) She kind of seems to defy the ideas of health. Sure. But, I mean, something can be said for anecdotes. If they're well documented, I mean, then it's just a little bit more than an anecdote. Um, well, yeah, if it's something I think anecdotes can be useful if it's something that can't be studied because there's just not a lot of people that that thing happens to. Right. You know, right. like an like a case study, for instance, about somebody who's born with their you know, there's there's a condition called situs inversus where like your internal organs are just kind of a mirror image. Like your heart is on the right instead of the left. Your liver's on the left instead of the right. Like it's all crazy. Right. So like case studies, because there's not enough people who have that. It's super rare. There's not enough people who have that to do like a big randomized controlled study. But case studies can be helpful because that's the only example there is around, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and certainly, you know, there's some things that are just, you know, kind of, uh you know, anecdotal in a way. I mean, a person gets struck by lightning twice. Uh, you know, that does that has occurred. In fact, I think it's even more than that at certain times. It's certainly not something where we want to do to people in a in a lab. You know, yeah, <laughs> we're not interested in. Well, maybe some people are interested in that, but anyway, <laughs> well, yeah. feeding someone three cans of diet Dr. Pepper or not diet of Dr. Pepper every day isn't something I would recommend anybody do. <laughs> but this lady has done it to herself. Right. And the second thing I said after is her name on Millie was, did she like run out of Social Security checks and do a, a 
a product placement deal with the Coke company <laughs> because not the Coke brothers, the Co- Coca-Cola company, because yeah. like that is like a great advertisement <laughs> for Coke products. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, wow. Yeah. You know what? In fact, I don't even know. I don't even know how we got to that story. But anyway, we went to <laughs> we, we went. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I went on that 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 tangent. So um, but uh, yeah, l- let's move on to something else. So. All right. Saturday, you know, after we're talking at Liberty to people, Forum, at we're, Liberty back. Forum. we're back at Liberty Forum, we're back now. At Liberty Forum <laughs> talking to people. We're done with that. It's getting around six, seven o'clock. We're getting hungry. So we go to actually our favorite spot even though it's in Nashua because it's our favorite spot because Liberty Forum used to be there. So it used to be just down the street to go eat at this place. Um, but we go there and, uh, you know, it's a Chinese place. Yeah. And Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we go there. Fantastic food. And after- yeah, we wanted to relive the experience from last year. Yeah. <laughs> at Liberty Forum. So we actually went back to Nashua. We went to this place, Lotus Flower, right? Yeah, lilac. Lilac, blossom. shit. Yeah. I always say lotus. I'm, I must be like, I, I'm kind of embarrassed at that because it sounds kind of racist. Like, yeah. like, oh, it's Asian. It must be lotus. <laughs> no, it's lilac. Black lotus, the best. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get the reference. But. Uh, Conan the Barbarian. Ah. It's, yeah. Anyway. Got it. So, uh, yeah, we can reenact that later. The, no. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we went to Lilac so we Blossom. Went to <laughs> we had a just like an intimate dinner. Like we socialized a lot. Yeah. And then we took some time together and just chilled out together, you and me. That yeah, was yeah. nice. Yeah, that was nice. And then we went to the ice luge party. Right. right. After that is when we, we got back to the hotel and then we find out, you know, hey, what's going on? Is everybody going to this party now? And we got there. We went to the Quill. Uh, I guess we got there somewhat early. I don't know. And we just, uh, you know, found... We didn't a, get there that early. It no, was like 10, 1030 by the time we got yeah, there. Yeah, it was like 10 or whatever. But I, I'm just saying people said to us that we were early. I, you know, I don't know what that means. Um, but That's because they're too cool to start their party before 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I certainly saw like quite a few, you know, more people show up than when we were there. But it was, I didn't feel like the place was packed. Of course, the Quill has multiple levels. And yeah. so maybe everybody was elsewhere. I couldn't tell how many people were there. Because yeah. we just like, we walked in. We stood in one spot for a few minutes and it was like in the doorway. So it was getting kind of crowded. Right. And then I, you know, honest, honest to goodness truth. I'm not used to wearing shoes. And I had been wearing shoes that weekend this and my true. feet hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You and just wanted to sit down. Not only was I wearing shoes, but I was wearing like heel shoes, like boots right. with heels on them. And I was like. Yeah, they weren't made God for walking. Damn it, my feet hurt. So, <laughs> so that luckily they had just installed a bunch of couches in the quill. So we found a couch and we figured, okay, well, the people we want to talk to will find us, and they did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked to uh, Davi, Brett, uh, and Brett Allie, Vinat, Brett and Allie, yeah, Constance, uh, yeah, and Zach it, Harvey. Yeah, yeah. I got to talk to the Harveys. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so, Josh wasn't there. I didn't no, right, see him. Right, right. We I we got to catch up with him a little bit at uh, Liberty Forum. That's you know, what I, <laughs> I didn't see Josh at all that weekend. Oh, he you was, saw him? Yeah, yeah. He, him, him and, uh, and Marcus and others were talking uh, in the hallway. At, oh, at okay. The hotel. Well, I totally missed him. I just remember talking to Zach, but I don't remember seeing Josh. And I actually thought it was weird that they weren't together. And then I was like, stop it, Stephanie. You're thinking of them as a unit. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, geez. I just got an email from Josh. 
Um, he just heard you say that. He's really, oh no. He's pissed? Yeah, he's, Shit. oh man, this is terrible. How, how do you even hear this? We, it's not, I haven't even, it's not recorded live. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so... Uh, so that was nice, you know, good conversation to go around and we were yeah. there until, well, the, the fucking time shift happened. Yeah, that was daylight God savings bullshit. Yeah, we were there till like, you We know, were there until two yeah, and, then and then it became three. three. And it's like, what the hell? Man. And then it started to feel like three, two, and it was like, God damn it. Yeah, I've been, gone. you know, I've been wanting to, because I have a lot of great evidence compiled about the, 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 the atrocity. That daylight savings time is or that the time changes, not necessarily daylight savings time. It can, you know, what they just they need to pick one. And yeah, run with it. pick okay. one. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> so but, uh, you know, I, I have some some pretty interesting thoughts on on time zones and all that stuff in general. But you know what? I every podcast I listen to, everybody's complaining about it and everybody's admitting this has to stop. And I'm really, really happy that that's happening. This is the first year I think I've ever heard where people have, have just been unanimously saying this time shift is shit. You know, like like that that's or, the, you know, the daylight savings time. It's crap. You know, I, I agree that that's good. But since when do politicians who are responsible for implementing this shit anyway, when do they listen to people? People are complaining about marijuana being illegal and it's just starting to, like they've been complaining oh. about it since the 1970s. And sure, it's, sure. Well, I guess it's my hope just is just starting to change in some places. And yeah. Yeah. Well, the, some of these people are so mainstream that I, I think that they kind of reflect, uh, you know, they all get um, letters from the central scrutinizer office. <laughs> and, you know, and so so I think it may be a, a portent of 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 what's to come you think so so wait let me get this straight you're saying that because yeah i'm saying that the mainstream news all gets the same they get a they get a, a like a proverbial dirt sheet in <laughs> talking the morning. points from the government yeah, and, and that includes all, daylight savings day needs to go right and 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 so they have to that's well, not that's know, not really what i'm saying but go ahead <laughs> <laughs> well you know they just like over my lifetime, since I've been an adult, I remember, remember back in 2007 or 2008? Ooh, that was a long time ago. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't. It was like eight, seven, eight years ago. Yeah. But I remember when they changed the, they changed the date at which, like, the clocks were to be changed. They, uh -huh. like, moved it up by a few weeks. Right. Because, it, it, like, the rest of the world, okay, including... Britain and Australia, and I know this because I had Skype calls with people there, and they fucked it up because they didn't fuck it up. The government fucked it up because right. the time was different, and we didn't have the five-hour difference. Now we had four hours instead. So it, was, it, it fucked up a couple of interviews that I had, right. bottom line. But anyway, um, most of the world changes their clocks at the end of March, but the U.S. government seven, eight years ago decided in their infinite wisdom that they were going to change it to the beginning of March so that we have another month on daylight savings time or something like that. Now you could say this is the last breath of a dying empire, but it's for now it's changed and it, it causes all these fuck ups. Oh yeah. 
Because we're just not in sync with the rest of the world. And then like Arizona doesn't even change at all. So that like sometimes the difference is two hours and sometimes it's three hours. And that comes out when you're on Ernie Hancock's show and you don't need know if you need to get up at six o'clock or seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> because he's on at nine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, it, it, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So so that that crept up on us, which which sucked. Um, but the party, you know, we're, we're there and we're just talking, but it was kind of, it was kind of strange in, in a way because, you know, in, in the, in the front of this, of this, uh, uh, like party area where the, these couches are, there's this ice block. Yeah. You know, and it says the rebel love show on it. At okay. first, when I saw it, I wasn't even sure what it was. I thought maybe it was a piece of plastic with lights under it. Yeah, yeah, because it was really it. It, I was impressed. It seemed to be holding its temperature pretty, or you know, it was holding its yeah, uh, that was uh, solidity it, really, really well. It didn't melt. Yeah, and it was it was pretty much clear, like like a piece of glass or ice, which is actually what it was. But it right. wasn't melting throughout the course of the evening, so that was unusual. And I mean, maybe that's normal for ice sculptures, and I just don't know. You know, for quote unquote professional ice sculptures, and I just don't know, but. Whatever. I don't know. Like, maybe if you have a big enough block of ice, it'll just hold its form, mm -hmm. even if the outside temperature is like room temperature. Right. But it would seem to me like it it should start to melt at some point, especially if it's out for hours. Maybe there was some kind of refrigeration system underneath it. I really don't know. Could it be? <laughs> or maybe maybe it was aliens come to the quill and put the ice luge there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so and it's in the shape of this like triangle, like an equal, like and a, suddenly there are these vamanas. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the shape of a pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't think Atlanta sank. It went up. <laughs> OK, uh, those, those views expressed are not mine. <laughs> so. <laughs> So it wasn't exactly a pyramid. It was like right. a, it was a isosceles triangle. Sure. Not an equilateral triangle because that's the three sides are equal. So it's, yeah, it's this isosceles triangle. Okay. Yep. And we were like, what is that thing? We couldn't figure it out until people started coming up and like one person would stand at the bottom of it. And the other person would take alcohol and pour it down the top into the bottom and it would drip into the person at the bottom's mouth. Now no this, health risk there. Now, no. this seems like a great way to spread convention crud. <laughs> you know, I don't think alcohol is going to kill all the germs. But if your mouth is on the same I, block of I, ice. I've been told that the way a lot of jet setters survive is because they are on a strict tequila diet. Wow. The, the, <laughs> Take it from them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, I mean, it seemed unhygienic to say the least. <laughs> yeah. And kind of weird. Like, I guess I could see the concept. Like, you're, you're, you don't have to keep the alcohol cold. Right. You pour it down this thing and it yeah. turns cold by the time it hits the bottom. But isn't yeah, there you like residual... you don't have any residual... inhibitions. You're out of touch with reality. I mean, it's... <laughs> And yeah, some of the people that were drinking from off of this thing were like, yeah, bro, you know, like they were like full on frat boy material, like the way they were acting. So I wasn't exactly 
enamored by it in any way, yeah. but it was a little bit entertaining. I guess there was some entertainment value to watch. Um, it looked kind of cool. Yeah, it, it was that. just unique. Like, I'd never seen anything like that. And so we observed this. We It turns three o'clock. We go home. or we, Well, we go back to the hotel. And the next day, we... You know, we get up, we had late checkout. Ha ha ha, that was nice. <laughs> and um, we start making our way back to our home. And in the car, <laughs> I'm Brian's driving, I'm getting a little bit bored. I look at my phone, and this thread appears. Now, let's be clear, this happens a lot. Yeah, it does. <laughs> where you're looking at your phone, and then... You you wish, to, hits the en- fan. you wish to enlighten me <laughs> as to what's going on in the world while I'm driving. Yeah, because you can't like look at these things while you're driving. So, and I like to communicate. We like to communicate with each well, we other. We, we share everything. We talk to each other all the time. You know, before we get into this, you know, I maybe this I, somehow I get the sense this isn't like this with most people. Now we've been together for yeah, years. Yeah, I think you're absolutely okay, right. That's yeah. why I said that because most people don't do that. Yeah, we've been we've been together for years. We still, there's rarely, and we're not listening to music. We're not listening to podcasts. I mean, sometimes we'll have that stuff in the background or something. But we go on hours, multi-hour drives often enough, and we're talking the whole time. Like, there's always something to talk about. Yeah. As to where, you know, I think I think more of the norm is, is somehow that people have these moments of silence. And there's nothing wrong with silence. I'm just saying that, that you know, some people do complain about this. Like, we never talk. We never, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I hear yeah. that kind of thing. And we, I mean, we're just, it's nonstop. The conversation just never, ever stops uh, with with us. And I and I love it. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah, me too. I Thanks, Brian. I love that about you too. Yeah, yeah. I've even heard some people say, well, once you get to know someone, you've talked about everything there is to talk about and they're just, there's no more to know. And <laughs> I don't agree with that. Yeah, not in our world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no I find a, I'm constantly finding out things about you, like your secret meditation ritual that you do in the morning. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that's an inside baseball thing. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I meditate for, you know, anywhere from 15 minutes to half hour every morning. And Stephanie had no idea. That I, that I do this. You, I sleep more than Brian, and he does it before I wake up, and he never told me about it until, like, just recently. I, I forget if you told me or if I asked you about it. How did that How did that happen? I'm not sure how it came up, but yeah. it, it was ironic because a few days after, Brett released a podcast about meditating. And you're like, hey, he meditates too. What's going on here? Yeah, I didn't know he meditated either. And yeah. I don't, meditation is one of those things that I just don't get. Like I right. just, it, I, I do yoga. I guess that's sort of similar for some people, but I don't really understand meditation. Well, if anyone wants me to talk about it, Brian at ZomiaOfflineGames.com or BitMessage, go to SovereignTech.com. Plenty of ways to get in touch with me and uh, and, and I'll talk about it, but. You said today that it's like the opposite of multitasking. It's like zero tasking. Yeah, I call it zero tasking. That made the most sense to me out of any other description I've ever heard. Yeah. Like most people aren't really able to explain it well, which I don't get because if they're doing it, they should be able to explain it. But well, the feeling is kind of all right. There, there's I, I, I see your point and I agree. You know, there, there's something to be said for if you can't explain it to an eight year old. Uh, you really don't have a grasp of what you're doing, right? Yeah. Um, there, there... Well, it just triggers me because it reminds me of 
when I was in synagogue when I was a little kid and all these people were like faking these religious experiences. Right. And I thought there was something wrong with me. I didn't get what I was doing wrong, that I wasn't having the same experiences as them. But then I realized that they were all just bullshitting. Yeah, they're bullshitting you. There, yeah. There's no no doubt there. Um, you know, so, so there's something to be said f- for that. Uh, but some things, I, I do believe that there are concepts that we have just never created the words for. Um, and there are some things that are very tough to explain. Uh, you know, I, I, I do believe that there are, are that. And, but meditation is not one of those things. I think if someone can't explain it, it's because they are, you know, trying to turn it into this ethereal, you know, spiritual. They're note. trying to seem special. Yeah. Like they know something that you don't know. Yeah. That and, bugs the hell out of me. Right. And and, <laughs> and and anytime someone tries to turn something into some kind of spiritual nonsense, I, you know, just total turn off. And it's like, no, you're, you're full of it. But anyway, yeah. so, uh, yeah, so I do that. If people want me to talk about, it, I can talk about that another time. So we're driving in the car and we're talking as we do. You're looking at your phone and you suddenly see this, this, this Facebook thread that yeah. is just this this piece of epicness and so if, if if you would like to talk about that yeah so i don't have the thread pulled up in front of me right now but i <laughs> i did let's call it a dramatic a theatrical reenactment of this thread for you and it went something like this this guy i don't even know this guy but some guy so let's call him dude posted in a group of people that go to the quill i didn't say anything about this last night because i'm a true professional and i was just trying to hold my shit together and make make ends meet but these guys rob matthias and andrew and shire dude scammed me out of this ice luge I had it created for them and we had a clear verbal agreement that they were going to pay us. They were going to pay me and my friend who's an ice sculpture artist $150 for the ice luge. And we shook hands on it and it was very clear that they were going to pay for it. And then the day before they backed out after I had already had the ice sculpture made and I tried to act like a gentleman at the party and I didn't say anything about it until now because I was just being professional unlike them but I was a slave during this party I was working the whole time as a slave because they never paid me my $150 for this ice luge and he also complained that the ice luge was supposed to be near the food it was supposed to attract because he was cooking oh yeah that they, right it was and supposed it was, to attract people to his food yeah it's supposed to be a draw and but they moved it to another area and yeah, he was like complaining about stage. that too so not only did they shaft him for the ice luge fee but and they backed out of their clear verbal agreement but they moved it away from his food <laughs> and then they like jumped in responding and they're like wow what the fuck man i had no idea anything was wrong we didn't have an agreement that we were going to pay for the ice luge and besides it was fucked up there was something wrong with the design you said it was going to say rebel love show and we never told you we would pay for it before you ordered it you just ordered it and then expected us to pay and so they were having a, a quibble over like what the agreement actually was and who knows? I don't know what was true. I'm not taking a side in this bullshit. No, no. But no. it was very entertaining. Yeah, to read it. <laughs> Especially because bunch... it involved this item that we had never seen before. You know, this. Yeah. This. And like, what it, at one point, like, Shire Dude jumped in and goes, Newsflash, I didn't move to New Hampshire to scam people out of a $150 block of ice. <laughs> I'm all done responding to this thread. And it was just like so dramatic. 
So funny. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, uh, other people, Johnson is jumping in and saying, it's like, oh, if you didn't write it, have a written contract, it doesn't matter, you know, and yeah. it, it's not Unless real. you wrote it down, it never happens. Yeah. And then someone else was like, Johnson, you always post the most hateful bullshit on this group. <laughs> you have no value as a human being. <laughs> It was just, it's just like... I'm unfollowing you. It's God, the train wreck was just you. unfolding. Yeah. It was just like a shit show. Oh, but it was entertaining as hell. <laughs> and for it has the way, to drive fast. Yeah, the way you read, like you're reading it and you're just, you're putting... I'm I mean, loading my acting skills. Yeah, obviously you're a you're, you're professional voice I actress. do audio drama for, for yeah. a living. <laughs> so... So you're just like 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 mimicking how the way these people talk and like you know the intonation and everything and it's just it was so good and I'm just dying laughing you know we're both dying laughing the whole way up uh, yeah and and fortunately everybody seemed to to agree that it was pretty ridiculous uh, oh like that the whole argument was so was ridiculous yeah yeah I and, mean yeah yeah you know and, and something just real quick obviously. You know, whatever, whatever, how all that all went down, like you say, not taking a side. Um, I definitely don't fall in the camp of, well, if there's not a written agreement, then there's no agreement. Uh, I, I think, that, you know, that that's a whole, you know, contractarian stuff. And, yeah. And, and I just I don't I don't buy that. Yeah, uh, especially for short term things. But I mean, I, I can also really see the perspective that. Sometimes humans just don't have a good memory. Like I've had sure. I've had a number of situations where I was going back and forth with a client. I talked about doing an audiobook for them or some kind of voice voiceover. And I talked to the client on Skype and we may reached some kind of agreement that I was happy with at the time and they were too, but I couldn't remember what it was. Mm -hmm. And I had to like look back through my email to see if we had written it down. And there was one guy who who did like after we talked on Skype about doing his audiobook, he sent me an email right after that. And he said, just for future reference, this is what we discussed. This is the rate that we talked about for the audiobook. I, I will pay you this much. And you said you, you'd you be available to do the audiobook at this date. And at the time, I was like, well, duh, we just talked about that. But then, like, months later, the project still hasn't started because it was basically a book that he was finishing up writing. Yeah. And I was I was thinking just the other day, Man, I'm really glad he wrote that down because I wouldn't have remembered anything that we talked about, and it would have been a wasted hour that we spent on Skype or however long we talked. Sure, but he wrote that hour, down but... for himself, you know. I mean, like, but it it's... helped me that he wrote it down. Well, good. And yeah. it, I thought it was ridiculous at the time, but then months later, I was glad that we had a record of that conversation. Yeah, yeah, un understood. I I can see that you know the points to that slips in memory and things of that nature, um, but. You know, this this notion that you have to have a contract for every little goddamn thing. Yeah, for a $150 block of ice. Uh, yeah, come no. on. <laughs> Maybe for a $3,000 audiobook. Right. But not I mean, for a $150 block of ice. Yeah, I mean, Sorry. if anything, you learn, okay, well, then this person doesn't have a good memory. I'm not going to deal with, you know, you, you learn. I mean, and sometimes learning comes with a cost. And, uh, well, that's, you know, that's life. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no need to suddenly like enforce a whole bunch of shit on people just because sometimes life, you know, hands you a, a bad deal. You know, yeah. I, I mean, communication too. Like it seemed like there was a big communication breakdown in that issue. Now I'm putting yeah. on my pork therapy hat again, but <laughs> it seemed like there was just a communicate. Like, so the guy who was upset about the rebel love show guys not paying for the ice luge had 
the the ice luge had been made by his friend and he basically like ordered it like it's like when you have someone make you a cake you have to put in the order in advance so he put in the order in advance without confirming before that with the rebel love guys that they were that they still wanted it for the party and they were going to pay for it they had talked about that like a couple weeks before or months before right and like it's always a good idea before you do some before you commit to that path, you know, of making the ice luge or whatever. Like if I had talked with a client about doing a voiceover and they said, okay, I think I'm going to want you to do this in April, but here's the script now it's ready, but just hold off until April 1st or something like that. I would send them an email the week before and say, Hey, um, I'm just checking in with you. Do you still want to do this? Right. Do you, is this still the final script? Get, are there, have there been any changes since then? Right. Like I would make sure before I put in the work to deliver the product that that was still the agreement and that nothing had changed because there's always changes at the last minute. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But he didn't do that. And then also the the other guys, the rebel love guys, maybe they didn't clarify with him well enough that they didn't want to pay for it or whatever. Maybe they changed their minds. I, it just seemed like, yeah, communication breakdown. Yeah, like, yeah. and when these dramatic threads happen, everybody involved looks bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's really hard to get involved with one of those without just coming out. When you wrestle with a pig, yeah. you know what they say, everybody gets dirty, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but another point that came up during that that thread, during that whole, you know, in the entertaining way you were presenting it, but one of the other things that people were talking about, and this happens all the time, and I this isn't necessarily something new uh, to talk about on Sovereign Tech. I've talked about it before, uh, but you get all these people that start saying, there's too few of us. We can't be having these petty squabbles. You know, uh, I mean, we, we got to be able to just, we got to get along and all this and yeah. And, you know, I just I totally disagree with that whole line of thinking. Yeah. Uh, get this stuff meted out before there's hundreds of thousands of us. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> like get the stuff figured out then, you know, right, right here and now. I, I just don't buy the idea of the kind of the big tent idea or the idea that, uh, you know, we got to stick together and, and all of this. It, it all just smacks of things that I don't see have ever historically worked. Yeah, well, like people are going to have issues when they deal with each other. They're going to have conflicts. And if those conflicts are basically swept under the rug or suppressed before they can be resolved, they're going to come up later. Sure. You know, like like my mom always used to say, <laughs> I think I said this the other day off the air, but my mom always used to say, like, you know, that, de- you know, like deodorant, antiperspirant has this aluminum stuff in it that basically like blocks the pores in your armpits. Right so that the sweat can't come out. Right. She always used to say, you know, if you do that, like the sweat is going to come out somewhere on your body. It might not be your armpits, but it will come out somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and I always think of that example when I'm thinking about like people suppressing feelings and, and conflicts because like it's going to bubble up somewhere. Even if yeah. you whack a mole and squash this conflict down about the ice luge, it's going to come to a head later on some unrelated issue. So like you might as well talk it out now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And saying, well, we have to get along because there's so few of us, that doesn't help resolve the problem. Like, I, if someone said that to me, I might say, yes, I agree. I'd like to get, I'd like to resolve this conflict. So let's talk about it now and try to get it resolved because I would like to get along. 
but we can't get, you know, we can't get along as long as there's this active conflict. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, But, uh, you know, again, the way, you know, interpersonal uh, interactions occur and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, get that worked out now. All these ideological battles that everybody's complaining about, get those worked out now. Uh, I, you know, I just don't buy the idea that everybody needs to be on the same page you know, uh, working together and all this stuff. I I think that's a recipe for disaster, uh, you know, but anyway, so yeah. What, who decides what page everybody quote has to be on, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Usually that's said by people who can't justify their position rationally. Yep. You know, (laughs) like it's, I, I always think of those people who used to call us on free talk live and say, well, you have to have a government or you, you have to vote because this (laughs) like, And they had no reasons for it, but they would just proceed it with, well, you have to do this. And I would always say, why do I have to? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or, no, I don't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't have to do anything I don't want to (laughs) do. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. I, I don't buy unifying. You know, I, I like the, the whole idea of unity. I, I think it's, I think it's, it's bullshit. Um, and in fact, you know what, like of all ironies, you know, one of the things I love about Alt Expo, uh, their presentations, is that they allow for just this wide range of ideologies to discuss. Somehow it all gets off very peacefully. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and it's all but but I mean, whatever it gets meted out and they are the most serious of issues uh, a lot of times. And so, you know, that that's that's the thing. I mean, things need to constantly be, you know, compared and contrasted. Uh, I mean, you know, liberties, uh, you know, or philosophy, whatever phrase you want to use, you know, and that philosophy is a science. Science is a crucible, you know, where you get to the bottom of things. Mm. And and so you, you you've got to have the, you know. You really, you got to have that infinite diversity, infinite combinations, right? You, to use a Star Trek phrase there. Yeah. If we wanted, if we were people who believed in unity at the sacrifice, you know, at the expense of all other things, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be like libertarians. We'd be statists, you know, like yeah. being patriotic nationalists. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, and, you know, and I always say that if everybody's like on the same page and everybody's on board, you know, if, if nobody disagrees, in a movement or in a community, I mean, you've got a cult on your hands. Yeah. You don't have a community or you're a movement or anything that's, that's vital. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, I, you know, when these things happen, I mean, it, I don't want to say I revel in people being, uh, you know, perhaps frauded, who, you know, whichever way that goes again, not defrauded, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Defrauded. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't revel in anything like that or in anybody being harmed. Uh, but I revel in the fact that people are still trying to figure it all out. Uh, because I, you know, I, I think we have a lot of answers, but we don't have them all. Uh, there's still a lot to, to learn. So indeed, yeah, there's still a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah. Which is the beauty of these conventions. I mean, lots of people, you know, there was a guy there at, at Liberty Forum who uh, I might actually get him on Sovereign Tech where he talked about pacifism. Um, and this is a guy that Pacif- works for Google. No, no, no. He didn't talk about he didn't talk about pacifism. He talked about passiveism. Passiveism? Yes. So the title of his talk was passivism as opposed to activism what is passivism so it's the opposite of activism it's instead of going out and trying to change the world it's working on yourself instead well i think that's a fantastic idea yes i think that's even better than pacifism passivism (laughs) yep see i wouldn't uh, here we go 
I wouldn't use that word <laughs> because it's just too easy to, you know, get it confused. Yeah, it, I agree with that. But it's a clever title if you get it. Yep. Yeah, it is, it is a hook. Yeah. That, that's for sure. <laughs> it is a hook. So, yeah, okay. So anyway, but that's that's good. You know, a lot of these varying ideas and all that stuff, even if I completely vehemently disagree sometimes with, with some of them, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, that it's happening. I'm glad that events like Liberty Forum uh, occur. And, you know, and that there's a venue for for these ideas to get meted out. Uh, But I mean, overall, you know, I don't know how much further, how much longer you want to go. We're at about an hour 45. Yeah. Well, we ended up talking for two hours. (laughs) It never fails. I was thinking this would be a short one. But yeah. Anyway, did, did you have more you wanted to talk about Liberty Forum? Um, no, that was pretty much the extent of our weekend. I mean, like it was a quick weekend trip, but I really enjoyed my time with you and I felt like I got some social time. Like before we went to Liberty Forum, I was really feeling like I wanted some more social time because I just hadn't really been out, getting out much before that (laughs) for the last few months over (laughs) the winter. It was like, you know, hunkered down in the house, working on, working on stuff, right? but not much social time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. So, yeah, that was nice. Yeah. Um, did you want to talk about something with, uh, about the, okay, there's two things that we could talk about. Um, one is the Free State Project and our attitudes toward it. Mm-hmm. And the other one is, which we kind of already talked about, but the other one is the women, which I think you want to talk about. Oh, we could talk about the the woman thing another time. I mean, there was still, there was so many, I don't know that I need to, I did want to talk about it, but I don't know if I need to toss my hat into the How's that phrase go? Toss your head into the ring, uh, into the gender ring, yeah, into the birth control ring. Well, there was just there the was so ring. Yeah, <laughs> there were so many people talking about it this past week uh, on blogs and social media about why aren't there more women in the liberty movement? Blah 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 blah. Uh, uh, I, anyway, so I don't know if I need to go down that road, but I mean, we could talk if you want to for a little bit. We could talk about. Uh, our feelings towards uh, towards the Free State Project. Sure, um, I'm yeah. open to that. If if you want to open it up, or I could start talking, it's up to you. Um. Well, why don't I feel like I've done a lot of the talking? And mm-hmm. thank you for having me on your show. By the way, thank oh, you I for giving me the opportunity to talk. I really Believe appreciate me, the, it. The listeners have no problem with it. They want to hear you. So well, cool. I hope not. <laughs> I think they want to hear you too. And yeah. I do have somewhat of a bad podcast habit, like. When I first started Pork Therapy in 2009, which was my first podcast ever, I did it with a co-host, Mike, and I, like, it's embarrassing. I was stepping all over him. I was, I kept interrupting him. And someone even tried to, like, come on the show and, like, ask me questions to try to help me become aware of it. And I just, it went right over my head. And I feel so embarrassed about it now. But, (laughs) but I realize I'm, I I have gained the self-awareness about my interruption habit. And I try to keep that awareness and not interrupt you too much, Brian. Oh, no, no, you're great. You're, you're, you're a pro. (laughs) There's a certain balance you have to strike because, like, Sometimes, especially on live radio, like on Free Talk Live, interruption was a necessity if you wanted to get heard. And if like you couldn't just sit there and say nothing because it's like the other hosts are just going to keep talking. And it's like whoever is more aggressive, whoever just elbows their way in gets to talk. And if you want to talk, you have to be aggressive and elbow your way in. And it's kind of like, I don't know, it's not really the style, but you can't have dead air and you can't have like it's hard to communicate to somebody when you want to jump in and everybody always wants to talk more than there's time to talk. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, 
thank you for having me on your show. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you start out talking about the Free State Project? <laughs> well, so the Free State Project, I mean, I assume... I, I'm assuming people that hear this know what it is, but if you don't, Free State Project is the is a project to get 20,000 liberty-loving individuals to one geographic area to work towards the goal of uh, uh, achieving liberty in their lifetime. Did that all from memory. <laughs> That's, but, of course, we were on Free Talk Live, so we had to say that a lot. Um, but anyway, and so... You know, I get the idea. I think it's an interesting idea. The reason I moved here was not about or, you know, who what, what's what's the tagline whose goal is to uh, work towards a government that's only or that's. Oh, so the Free State Project. Are you talking about the statement of intent? Yeah. OK, like, so there's like a pledge that you s- sign when you, quote, join the Free State Project, which is I pledge to move to New Hampshire Within five years of this pledge reaching 20,000 signers, if all the other people do too, and when we get there, we will work to create a society, I think it's like work towards the creation of a society where the maximum role of government is the protection of life, liberty, and property. Right. And so so they carefully worded that to include both minarchists and anarchists. Right. Yeah. So the maximum role of government is to protect life, liberty and property. Right. And the minimum role could be it doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's certainly I and I wouldn't want to speak for you, but I, I think that's where we're both coming from, is that just government doesn't exist. Oh, no, I'm a total statist, yeah. arch statist all the way. <laughs> Go Hillary 2016. Yeah. <laughs> Ew, I can't believe I just that just came out of my mouth. It's going to get taken get out of context. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I am totally yeah. an anarchist. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I am interested in, in that, you know, in no government. And, you know, I came, I was actually mover 966. Uh, I was a little ticked off. I wanted to be 666, but whatever. I was, I was late. Turn that nine upside down. That's all I have to do. And then everything's fine. Um, but anyway, (laughs) uh, and so, you know, I didn't come here planning on political action you know, or anything along those lines, you know, maybe some degree of activism, but no, no, no political action of, of any sort. Um, and yeah, the thing is, is that even in, you know, and I've been here since October, 2011, you've been here for since 2006, right? 2006. Yeah. yeah. Um, lately it seems like, and I've even had people, t- I, I've talked to some people that have been here for a while as well, who have said, you know, a couple of years ago, Nobody would be into voting in in the Free State Project. Nobody would be doing any of this, you know, political bullshit, he says. But now everybody's like, that's the thing to do. We're all going to go vote. We're all going to go run for office. We're all going to go do this. I call bullshit on that. I've been here for almost 10 years, Uh almost nine years, but Uh it'll be 10 years in June 2006. And there have always been politicos here. Sure. From the very beginning. Yeah, I think he was talking about a pretty select, you know, more of your diehard activist types so he was talking about the passionate people that perhaps change change their mind a bit but in any case i i agree with you i think there's always been politicos here there have it probably just depends on who you hang out with because there's yeah so the the free state project this the size of the pledge is twenty thousand people but that won't be triggered. The move won't be triggered until there are 20,000 signers. Right now, there's like 17,000 Seven, signers. Yeah. So it's, it's almost there. It's like 80% of the way there. Right. 
Um, but some people have moved to New Hampshire early because they don't want to wait for 20,000 signers. They want right. to do it now. And there, apparently there are over, what is the current number? It's like over 1,200 people who are actually have moved here and, yeah, have, told, be even higher. and have told the Free State Project about it. Because I imagine there are quite a lot of people who just don't want to be on a list, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's kind of gone stealth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, in fact, actually, when I came here, like there was a lot of people that uh, like they get a big welcoming party and all this stuff. I showed up. I didn't run into a single Free Stater for two weeks. Like, I just wanted to check it out. I didn't need a welcoming party. You know, I didn't, I didn't, was, wasn't interested in any of that, whatever, you know, and, uh, I don't really necessarily have a point in that, but just, I, other than to say that there's a lot of people who are here that we don't even know they're here, you know, uh, ah, you for know, sure. that's, that, that's, that's the, the deal with that. So I, I imagine the numbers above 2000. Yeah. <laughs> you were triple black stealth anarchist. He's a fed. He's a fed. Sneaking into New Hampshire <laughs> undiscovered. Yeah. Oh, Hiding from your ex-wife. <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyway. Well, there might be some truth to that. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so, you know, the thing is, is that the Free State Project itself seems to very much, more so than I really recall, be very, very much involved in politics uh, even on a larger scale than just New Hampshire. Uh, Are you talking about the Free State Project organization the official? Organi- yeah, sorry. The organization itself okay. seems to be very, very, like, like they're just doing all kinds of weird things. Like, I think it's it's almost anathema for them to be a nonprofit. So I think they're not a 501c3, which is the typical kind of nonprofit that uh-huh. like charities are, uh-huh. non-political charities. I think there's something called like a 501c4 or something, which is a... PAC or like a political education organization or something like they are some kind of political organization, but they can't like promote specific politicians or candidates. I think they just have this like educational political message that they can do. It's really kind of weird, but there's, they are a, they are some type of political nonprofit organization. Okay. So regardless, if this is run by a bunch of capitalists, minarchists or anarchists, uh, they should be saying, no, we are for profit because who the fuck isn't, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. that, that should be like, th- that, that just should, should be it. And so yeah, I, I, it is, it is kind of weird when people who are so interested in profit, like make nonprofits, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And it's all, it, there's just, there, there seems to be, you know, and again, I enjoy the fact that there's a lot of differing opinions, you know, I really do. Uh, but, but the prevailing thing in the free state project seems to be working within the system. And, uh, that, that, that very much turns me off. Uh, you know, in a very real way. And so, I, yeah, let's differentiate between the Free State Project, the organization, and the uh-huh. Free State Project, the community, because there sure. is some overlap between those. Like, there are a lot of people in the community who have a lot to do and run the organization, mm-hmm. but then there are people who, in the community who have nothing to do with the organization. Right. Which I have, as far yeah, as I know, us. I have nothing to do with the, with the organization. <laughs> no, me neither. So, but, you know, that all that said, and maybe I've said it before, I have other issues with it. Like, I mean, it's, you know, I could get into like the philosophical debate of if you move into, like, if, if the bulk of the people that already lived in New Hampshire, if they want uh, social services, you know, if they want social programs from the government, if they want government, who are we to come here? 
and take that from them. You know what well, I mean? Who are they to force us to participate in their social programs? Though? Sure. No, of course. That, yeah. I mean, but well, that's what I'm saying. It's a debate to be that that's not being had. Um, I mean, I think everybody, you know, comes in like charging like like heroes, you know, saying, ah, we're here to save you. And they don't want to be saved. So then what are you doing? That's true. Some a lot of people don't want to be saved. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and that's you know, I don't even like using all that language, but. But there it is. Yeah. The problem is there's no place on earth where where is someone supposed to go who doesn't want to live under a government, under the thumb of a of a government? Well, sure. Or what if you're an ethnic group that's been around for thousands of years that just can't get a country to live in? What do you do? <laughs> oh, you kick everybody else out of somewhere and and you live there. Yeah. I, well, that didn't lead to lasting peace or a good solution. Not, either. Israel's doing great. Are you kidding me? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, sarcasm. I think it's a good. Com- I think it's a sarcasm. Good, I think it's a good comparison, well, right? I, What's the libertarian homeland? There is none. Yeah, and and you know you can say, well, who hit first? And you know, like, like yeah. they they're forcing us, so we got to do it. And then it becomes, well, then did the Jews get kicked out of Israel? You know, I mean, like like all these arguments uh, go into some crazy places. But in the liberty circles, they're not even being had. You know, and, and, and I, I, yeah, I, I have, you know, I mean, and I didn't even want to get into that, but, but there it is. Uh, yeah. The Connecticut river is going to turn into like the West bank pretty soon <laughs> over here. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I, I shouldn't say that, but, but yeah, I mean, I definitely yes, see, uh, the, I definitely see the comparison. Yeah. I don't have a good solution for it. I, d- I wish it was possible to form pockets of autonomous communities, you know, Permanent autonomous zones, like you've talked about, intentional communities. Yeah, yeah, that that's that that's really it. Um, and, you know, go ahead. Yeah, like, so I guess I have I have a lot of thoughts about the Free State Project. First of all, I love it here in New Hampshire. I'm glad yeah, I live here. I, I love living ex- here. I wanted to express that that like you know, in fact, there's a tagline uh, that goes, "It's it's the Texas of the North." I love that. <laughs> uh, it really is in, in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I love New Hampshire. Uh, like it, it's beautiful. It is easily and I've traveled the world pretty good. It is easily one of the most beautiful places on the planet. I want more liberty loving people here. Don't confuse me. I, I want them here. Uh, and it is a beautiful place and it has everything I could want. Maybe yeah. it doesn't have everything that everybody else wants, but it has everything I could want. I, it, you know, hills as, at my back and price chopper in front of me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As far as my subjective individual preferences, which I admit are formed probably by growing up in the Northeast, in, the Northeast, in right, Massachusetts, yeah. Yeah, same here, you know? in New York, <laughs> um, it has everything I like, you know, it has the seasons, it's got beautiful leaves in the fall, it's got skiing in the winter and mountains at, at hiking in the summer, beautiful summers, springs, not too hot, not bearable in the winter, you know, not too cold, like we just talked about. It's got everything. And I like where I live. Um, my ideas about about freedom, I guess like a political freedom have changed a lot over the past nine years, though. Mm-hmm. Like when I first got to New Hampshire, I was starting out a very unfree personal life, starting out medical school. Right. And I sort of thought in my mind, oh, yeah, I'll get I'll move to New Hampshire and I'll get involved with politics on the side when I'm not in med school. And first of all, that didn't really work out because you have no free time in med school. Second of all. It didn't work out because politics is a fucking sham. It's rotten <laughs> to the core. 
And I quickly found that out. And I had a couple of years after that where I was like, well, shit, what do I do now? Because right. I'm here, I live in New Hampshire, but I don't want to participate in politics. And I also don't want to go to jail and get arrested like these people in Keene do. So what do I do? And for a little while, I didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I started getting interested in the personal side of freedom, which I had never really explored before. And that's when I started pork therapy. And that's when I started, I started, I guess, like, quietly discovering some things in my own life that helped me be freer. So for instance, um, like sexual freedom, I started like listening to all these sex positive movement podcasts mm, <laughs> and, <glad> you did. <laughs> and just started learning about different types of sexuality and, you know, different things that I could try and trying some stuff and having fun. And I also started like thinking about um, psychological freedom, you know, like learning about, learning about um, like childhood experiences and how they shape people as adults and trauma and how that affects people and communication and um, cognitive biases, getting in touch with reality, sort of cognitive behavioral therapies type stuff, becoming as rational as I could, uh, thinking about my childhood and my past and trying to heal from things that had hurt me. And that took years, you know, that took, and it's still going on. You right. know, that's a journey that really never ends. But I'm really proud of how far I've come on that. And along that journey somewhere, I realized I was on a very unfree career path and I needed to make a change. Right. And so after seven years of grad school, I did. And it was one of the scariest things I've ever done in my life. But I did. And I started my own business. And now two years later, it's almost exactly two years after I left, um, my voiceover business is thriving. And I... I, I was just saying to you today, I love my job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is so much fun to just work whenever I want to. <laughs> right. And, you know, if we want to take the night off and go out to dinner like we did tonight, we can. <laughs> 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 Yay. <laughs> and like not to feel the, the stress and pressure of working on someone else's project and having to be someplace when someone else said jump. And like j there's just so many ways in which I feel freer and happier in this career. And yeah, like I'm really pleased with that. And so now, almost nine years after I moved to New Hampshire for the Free State Project, my ideas about what what freedom would look like in my own life are almost totally different than they were at the time. Okay. I was almost sort of thinking I'd be like a Ron Paul, like the female Ron Paul. Nah. Ron Paulette. <laughs> like a doctor who works from the inside to change the corrupt medical system. And, you know, that is a fantasy. That is not going to happen. You, There are just some systems, most systems, in fact, that you can't, there's just no, you can't change them from the inside. If you try, you're going to go crazy. Yeah, or you'll become a part of it. Or you'll be, or you'll get stuck to the status flypaper and you'll become a part of it. Yep. And that's what I learned about medicine. That's what I learned about politics. So <laughs> so how do you feel about the Free State Project then? I mean, so, you know, yeah. all, I'm with you on all that and I'm proud, so proud of you. I've been able to see so much of this evolution and it's uh, it's a privilege Thank for you. me. Thank um, you. And, and so, you know, but but I mean, what is that? How did how did, what is your outlook now on, on the Free State Project? That's a great question. You know, I think. I still feel a little ambivalent about it. I don't I definitely don't want to participate in politics. Right. I'm not really interested in what the politicos are doing. I don't even follow it and I don't watch the news and I don't keep up with the New Hampshire news especially. 
Um, so I don't really care about that. Um, I mostly just am trying to be as free as I can in my own life in terms of my job, my living situation, my relationships, my financials, my finances and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm focusing inwardly instead of outwardly. That's the biggest change. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the free state, the community, I will say that it feels good to never be lonely. You know, yeah, absolutely. Like you, if you live in New Hampshire and you don't have any liber, like if you don't know any libertarians where you are, where you're at, you that situation will change if you li- move to New Hampshire. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like. I remember being living in Massachusetts before I moved here, and I just didn't even know any other libertarians. Right. Now, granted, this was before Facebook. This was before the internet, really, the social networking. This is before Twitter. But I felt really isolated and lonely because nobody was on the same page as me politically, philosophically. Yeah. So I would end up like, I would end up like dating statist guys and like converting them. It, like <laughs> my longest boyfriend in college was like he was like kind of like a punk rock type anarchist mm-hmm. but i got him like reading mises and stuff <laughs> <laughs> but i had to like do that you know like i didn't know anyone who was already there <laughs> right right <laughs> i met a few people i re- used to write articles for lou rockwell but like most of those people were just really libertarian brutalists or vulgar libertarians mm-hmm. they were not focused on the personal aspects of freedom right and it didn't help me consequently in my in my development personally knowing those people so i felt i still felt lonely yeah so um so if you're lonely you can fix that by moving to new hampshire you will have people to hang out with but the thing about that is once you once you get out of a situation where you're totally isolated you start to raise your standards a little bit Right. And actually, my standards raised for for who I want to be friends with and relationships with raised quite a bit once yeah. I had access to more people who met the the bare minimum standard, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Uh, and you will find that you don't like a lot of people like the other weekend we were at Liberty Forum. We were talking to Carlos Morales. Mm hmm. And he just moved to New Hampshire about a year ago, I think like something like that. He said he estimates that he likes about 5% of the community, the people here. <laughs> but I think that's about right for me. Like, um, I hope he's, I'm sure he said that at some very public venue at some point. So. Yeah. I mean, I think he was talking about people he really, truly connects with. Yeah. Like re- people he'd want to be like their good friend, not just their acquaintance. Sure. But, you know, scientifically, I'd argue you can't do more than that. You, you right. know what I mean? Like, that's if there's 1,200 people here, shit, I don't even know all of them, let alone have a chance to get to know no, them. No, I don't you know? even want to know all of them. No. I mean, like, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So, yeah. you know, I, I want that, you know, core group of about, you know, 15 to 50 people or whatever. But anyway. Yeah. And I think that's that could be easier to find here because you just have a big pool sure. to draw from. Sure. Absolutely. And there are some really good people in that pool. But there are also, you know... I will say that there is value to having acquaintances, you know? Yes. Just like if you need someone to, I don't like water your plants while you're out of town. If you need someone to like give you a ride somewhere, if you need someone to cook at your party, if you need, if you want to buy like real maple syrup from some farmer, like those are all things you can get 
from the free state community that don't require you being best friends with the person. No, you just you know them. You've seen them around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the beauty of and there's so many people that are like anti label or anti ism or whatever. And, uh, you know, that's something I don't really buy. I don't really get it. You know, I'm I'm not for that uh, because it, it it's a shorthand, especially in New Hampshire to, you know, what you can expect. And, and, you know, I mean, it's not always necessarily true, mm-hmm. you know, think about the ice thing, but, um, you know, it is a shorthand to where, okay, this is an acquaintance. This is somebody that, you know, kind of can understand where I'm coming from, where if I want him to mark down the sale as a gift instead of, you know, the actual amount, because it's, a, you know, so I don't get taxed or whatever, <laughs> uh, you know, they can appreciate that where I'm coming from. So, you know, that that's, yeah, that's good. And, and I mean, it, and really in such a small geographic area like New Hampshire, it does, it creates a shorthand uh, for life. In general, when you know these these people are around you that that, you know, like you said, it allows you to grow even more just being around people that are even at the most, uh, you know, base level by your standard. You know, I'm not saying that they're base level people. You know, I'm just saying by everybody's got different standards. So, yeah. And of course, just because someone is part of the liberty community, that does not mean they're a good person. That does mean not mean they even share your values. They could be very different from your values. That does not mean that they're trustworthy. That doesn't mean that they're going to be your friend. Right. Yeah. That's why I was very clear to say it's a shorthand for understanding. mm -hmm. Um, Not. Yeah. It's not a guarantee of virtue or anything, but just of that, like maybe they know some of the lingo. Yeah. It's just that it's a starting point and then you can figure out where to go from there. Right. Whether you don't want them in your life at all, whether you want to be an acquaintance, whether you want to be a friend, whether you want to be a best friend, a lover, a good friend, you know, whatever. But uh, at least it's a starting point and an icebreaker. And in in a world where a lot of libertarians are. I'll say they have trouble with social stuff Mm -hmm. because I certainly did, you know, before I moved here. Mm. And I certainly still do sometimes, but <laughs> but libertarians are not exactly known for their social skills a lot of the time. Uh, it will help with that a lot, having sure. this community around. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, do you have any other thoughts on the Free State Project that you wanted to get out? Hmm. Well, I guess, I guess the high points, if I'm going to sum up that conversation, one, I like it here. I plan on staying here for the foreseeable future. Same here. Um, two, I, it's an improvement on where I lived before, <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, I, uh, my ideas about a political freedom versus personal freedom have completely changed since I moved here, but that's fine. And it's a good thing. And I'm, I love it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> growing in all different kinds of ways. And as far as the free state project now, I think the, the biggest value I see in it is the community. Yeah. Even though the community comes with caveats. Sure. Sure. And uh, yeah, I I could go on and more because I I think a lot of people are feeling the Free State Project isn't. And I'm certainly not going to say it's necessary, Um, but I think a lot of people make the claim it's not necessary anymore because really all they were ever looking for was someone to talk to, to relate to. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are getting that online. And so they don't feel Mm -hmm. any need to move um, because Facebook, which, you know. 
tell me tell me all about that uh you know how you're gonna you know crush the system and uh and get all that freedom while using facebook <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but uh, you know in, in your secret group that you set up on facebook you're gonna change everything right anyway <laughs> so uh but anyway no need to get into that um so yeah, well, I think that's a good that that's a good note uh, to to end on because I mean, Liberty Forum again is all about getting people to come to the Free State Project, yeah. to come to New Hampshire, and uh, and I think that's that's you know it's like you said it's good with caveats, right? Oh is, is, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, any anything else you want to get out there, or are we? Hmm. Smvoice.info, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Smvoice.info. Yeah, that's it's funny because that's my business website. You know, that's my voiceover website. And mm-hmm. it always gets plugged in the most like unprofessional contexts when I'm talking about like the BDSM parties that I went to and Yeah, know. it's not it's smvoice.info. Like not BDSM. SM as in my initials. Yeah, not as in Macacism. Uh all right, for the record, Maccabees. it's uh, Maccabees. <laughs> it's Hanukkah. Holy shit. <laughs> Get the hammer. All right. Uh, no, it's, <laughs> it's 1 a.m., so relax, everybody. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good note to end on and, and uh, time for bed. By the way, check out Hypercronius. It's coming out soon. Brian's been working super hard on oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've actually, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, Hypercronius is coming. There is a Zomia offline games.com. I have to, I, there's still that website. I still have to do work on. I've just got tons and tons of work. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be so busy. I was going to be going to Libra planet this weekend. Not happening. Mm, um, I'm you're just, skipping it cause you're working too yeah, hard. Just too, too loaded down. Uh, so anyway, uh, but I hope everybody will, uh, will enjoy it and there will be a Hypercronius two, as I said before, and Hypercronius two will definitely up the ante, uh, I think on a scale of a thousand. So, you know, you, the first one, you, you know, you're learning, you're figuring things out and I've got a great story to tell with it. Uh, but I definitely plan on the, 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 the following games to be, you know, to really, really take it to the next level. So anyway, I was just looking on, okay, here it is. So I said at the beginning of the show, I was going to tell people where they could get the neck warmer that I use yeah. on Amazon. So yeah. go to the Sovereign Tech Amazon link. And click through it and then look for Herbal Concepts Comfort Neck and Shoulder Wrap. All right. And you will stay warm all next winter. I I can attest. To this. <laughs> I love that thing. It's just so good. You Every, put it in the microwave, three minutes. Yep. You're it's good to nice. Go. It's soft. Everybody needs a soft. Everybody needs a soft. It's, it's true. true. It is. It's true. <laughs> anyway. All right, so uh, that's it. Liberty Forum was a uh, was a good time for for what it was for what we experienced. And, <laughs> we had fun. Yeah, we had fun. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks that's for what having life's me. All about. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on your show, Brian. Oh, anytime, anytime. So, uh, all right, uh, Carpe Lucem, everybody. There will be a regular. Oh, come epi- on! You can do more enthusiastic than that. <laughs> All right. You're the golden stallion of the tech world. <laughs> well, before I do the enthusiasm, there will be a regular episode of Sovereign Tech out this week. It's out every Saturday. I never miss it. Don't worry, even though this is coming out technically on Saturday as well. Uh, it, it will be out. Uh, Carpe Lucem. I'll see you on the other side.
You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com, and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to The Evolution. Alt three four thing should be up, right? Uh yeah, it should be up. Not down. Correct. Okay. There, it's up now. Okay. If you would uh, give me a test. Testicles. That's gonna go on the end of the podcast. <laughs> you know, I was looking for new podcasts and I found this like weird medicine podcast or something, and I was like, ooh, that would be a good way to keep up with my medical stuff. So I go to download the episodes and the top one in the feed is Sharp pins and needles feeling in scrotum and testicles. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I thought? You know what the first thing I thought was? What's that? Oh, he must have a sacral nerve impingement. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing you thought? Yeah. That's awesome. And then I was like, I think I'll download this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's. There uh, you go. You got your blooper yeah, now. Yeah, I got my blooper for the end of the show. All right. Uh, you pretty much ready to go? Why, yes. Okay. Uh, let me check for sharp pins and needles. <laughs> no, nope, I'm good. All right. I'm going to, we'll do a brief pause. and uh, Brief? Then, yeah, brief. Boxers. Not, not, not pregnant. 